2: Yeah, the work been too official. They told me greatness fits you. Yeah. When I was down and out, they screaming, "Tuck, we miss you." I felt, I felt the vibes, vibes too. too. I felt the vibes yeah. too. I felt the. Uh, the work been too official. All right. They told me greatness fits you. When I was down and out, yeah. they screaming, "Tuck, we miss you." I can't wait to perform. Yeah, I felt the vibes too. Yeah. Yo, 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 yo! What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Work Show, where all we do is talk about work. This is episode 10. Um, This is real special today, man. I, I'm doing something different. I wanted to do something different because I felt it was necessary. And um, for those who have been listening up until this point, you know, I normally tackle what's going on. Entertainment, uh, politics, news, music, whatever, whatever. But today I felt like it was necessary to bring these two brothers on. And let them debate. Black History Month is only right. You know, we all share similar opinions, but everybody else, or some people sometimes, might feel a little differently about things. And not only does it bring light to situation and and different ideologies, but it also allows us to learn more about each other and what we believe in, as well as some what what others believe in. You know, you come from different places, so. Everybody's experience is different, especially being a black American. Um, So we're going to kind of tackle that today. These two good brothers are very, very, very knowledgeable in what and what we're going to speak on, just the culture in general. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce you to these two brothers and we're going to get this debate going. So to both to my left or right, depending on how you're watching this. Uh we have Q. I just call him Q Laquentis Brown and we have Dimitri Coles all the way on the end. Q is in the middle, and we got Dimitri Coles. Um how y'all doing today? How your brothers doing?
3: I'm good, my brother. Appreciate you having me
2: on. Hey, no cool. doubt. I appreciate you. No doubt. No doubt. Um before before we get into it, because I got a list of questions that I want to ask and, and I want to kind of dive into. Um can you guys just starting with Q and then we'll go over. Can you guys just talk to the people as far as um just who you are? I did a I did an Instagram early on the work show that kind of gave, you know, the stuff that you guys let me know, but maybe some stuff that I might have missed. So Q, you could go first and then Demetri goes second, and then we'll flip a coin to figure out who answers the first uh who who goes first in the debate. All right.
3: Yeah. Uh, what's going on, y'all? My name's LaQuintez Brown, you know, from Waterbury, Connecticut, I'm based now in Atlanta. Um, got my bachelor's degree in political science. You know, fun fact, me and Dimitri went to high school together, so this Dang. is actually, you know what I'm saying, Right. some master and apprentice stuff, so I taught my mans how to debate, you feel me, but <laughs> on the debate team, you know, first, first person to uh, win a debate for that high school, so, you know, um, got my master's in film and business, and, you know, just trying to, you know, break some bread with my peoples and, you know, talk about the community.
2: D, you want to go?
4: Yeah, all right, everybody. Yeah, I'll go. Um, my name is Dimitri Coles, also from Waterbury, Connecticut. Like Q said, we went to the same high school. He's a little bit older than I. I was a freshman. He was a Thanks senior. Fall. Well, he was leasing out when I was coming in. Um, and, yes, the debate team is where we started. And um, I also have my bachelor's in um, on political science. Um, I have my master's in public administration and I'm currently um, at the end of um, a master of science in geography as well. So um, hopefully you get that done and I'm just happy to be here. Trey, I appreciate you doing all the work that you do and, you know, and collaborating me on, you know, on my initiatives and I'm ready to get to going.
2: No problem, man. I think um, both, both of you guys are very interesting Uh, personally. Uh, both of you guys have put me in situations that I never thought I would be before, so I have a deep appreciation for uh, both, of, both of you gentlemen, just for the simple fact of you are men of your words, and you do essentially um, everything that you speak on, so I, I I commend that, you know what I'm saying? I think that's very powerful, and I think this is going to be interesting. I didn't know that you were Daniel's son to Mr. Miyagi. I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> um all right, I don't I don't have a coin in sight, so um since this is how we'll do it. Since I did uh <laughs> in my description, I did Q first on my Instagram. We'll start with Dimitri and then we'll go uh to Q. So the audience, this is how y'all could participate. Um I know some of you may have questions, may agree, may disagree um speak speak how you feel in the chat just don't be disrespectful which i don't think you guys are because i'm not a disrespectful person but um what's good lex so if you have any questions to what these brothers are saying keep a note of it and we will kind of add it at the end um unless we can fit it in there the rules for these two gentlemen were clearly were clearly uh explained They both have five minutes to kind of up to five minutes to explain um, their side of whatever the question that's posed. The other person is not to jump in unless it is eating their soul away to the point where they have to say something and they have to unmute themselves. So each person is going to get five minutes to kind of rebuttal. Um. And then after that, they get three in between, and we'll see how the conversations go for each questions. If it gets too heated, I'll make sure I, I, I switch it. Um, I don't want to cause any any actual tension between these brothers, but this is very passionate. It all started on on Twitter, which is now X, so uh, let's get to it. So, Dimitri, I got you up first, right? So, you know, based off of the conversation that I saw you two having on Twitter, it kind of um, posed me to to think of this question which i thought was a a good question and for the people who don't know um what this is maybe you can give your uh explanation or your definition of what this is and then kind of go into how you feel about it and i know q feels a certain way about this as well so i would definitely love to be enlightened by both of you guys so the first question i have for both of you for both of you um and demetri you're going to start is um what are your what are your thoughts on uh, the Pan-Africanism culture that has been growing within our community? I feel like I'm not as well versed, but I do feel like over the past years, this became more of a uplifting situation or uprise of it. Um. So how do you feel about that? Do you do you agree with it? Do you think it's something that we should just to, to further that? Do you think it's something that we should continuously? Um, educate our, our, our people on, or do you feel like this is something totally different? Well, you know, ultimately I think that our people should be well-versed
4: on anything regarding black history. So, I mean, that's the history of black Americans and the history of you no know, black people or African people all across the world. Um, in my time when, you know, you know, as a political scientist or um, you know, just as a person who likes black history, um, I think I'm drawn more personally to Pan-Africanism, off the sense of you know it gives us. Uh, I believe it gives us a greater sense of identity. Um, I believe that shortchanging ourselves, that starting our history from the markers of slavery, no matter where we are in the United States, uh, in the Caribbean, or you know any other um, African uh, descendant person on the world, it really shortchanges our history and our value that we see for ourselves. Um, I do believe that pan Africanism is such a complex topic that it um, gets boiled down too easily, especially in the mainstream podcasting world. I mean, I'm just uh, there's a few podcasts where they're just talking about differences or people that are just, um, you know, talking smack about like, you know, people in the black people in the Caribbean or black people in Africa talking smack about black Americans and vice versa. When in reality, um, there are certain steps that even i'm still going through right now to um fully um master pan-africanism so Um, so
2: real quick just to interject mm -hmm. does pan-africanism include um all descendants of of where africa was essentially rooted to like us coming from africa okay so caribbean islands and and everything like that are included in pan-africanism are those totally different no, no, no. If you are in a, a descendant, if you are African descent, no matter
4: where you are on the planet, um, if you're a part of the diaspora, and if you're in the motherland themselves, you are, um, encompassed in Pan Africanism, um, and that's essentially what the identity starts with. Now, um, it drew me specifically to the cause because um, there was a poor a moment in time where I was trying to do essentially my lineage, um, and. I came to a roadblock like a lot of the average, you know, black Americans will come to. Um, I got I don't don't call me on this. I forgot the great. So I think it was a great, great grandparents around there. Um, And it really brought me to I found my great, great grandfather. His name was John Riley, whatever. And then I saw my grandmother, my great, great grandmother. Her name was just Lizzie. Um, No last name. So, you know, essentially, like, that's a reasonable it's reasonable to assume that she was a slave at that time, you know what I mean? So, you know, um, I know that my family has deep roots in the the South, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia. So, I mean, that's something that I expected to run to at that time. Um, And even as I was growing up um, and talking with other people, it kind of bothered me to an extent in which, um, how come everybody could trace their lineage years, generations beyond mine? Um, but I really found value who I was as a black person who I wanted to and the, the value that I wanted to bring to my community when I started linking up with people in Pan-Africanism. Um, what really got to me was um, there was this divide that um, or there was this narrative that was put in between our communities is that Africans don't like black Americans, black Americans don't like Caribbeans, is like all this stuff like we can't be unified. And then I started to think like, well, where's this information coming from? Because you know, in my lived experiences, you know, my black, um, my best friends are from the Caribbeans. You know, I, I've I've really had conversations and built with people uh, from the motherland and stuff. So um it didn't really play out the way that I thought it was playing out. And really, the first step in Pan-Africanism, and this is the step where I'm at right now, is kind of developing a revolutionary mindset in the sense of we have to be able to do our own research. We have to be able to see through the bull. You know what I mean? Like We can't trust the same news sources that we have that depict our people here in America, our black people here in America, as things that they're not. So why would we trust them for how they depict Africans or Caribbeans or black people in Asia or South America? So uh, D,
2: D, I got you I got you with 30 seconds left but let me Let me ask yeah. you this when when I was A child right mm-hmm. I Remember that there was Always a disconnect between uh, What Africa the Continent actually was versus what It actually was depicted As and I feel like As I've Gotten older I don't know if there's necessarily Been any thing To patch that Relationship so Based on what you're saying, pan-Africanism is a way to kind of reconnect those roots. Because I, I personally feel like there's always been a divide between uh, people who are from Africa and they come over as immigrants and black Americans who are here and they kind of are go, have went through the processes that essentially, you know, kind of built this immigration in, in, a, in a sense. Um Q, how do you feel about that? Well, you don't want D to get his last 30 in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My fault. Go ahead, D. My fault. My bad. My bad. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I cut you off a little bit. No, no,
4: no. I appreciate you, Q. Um, you know, in in reality, um, it seems like, this is what I would say to that question. Um, What I do know about. Black Americans is that every advancement for another disenfranchised group here in the United States of America has always been the black Americans who really have been leading the charge um, beyond that, whether that was suffrage, whether that was, you know, uh, marriage rights or anything along that line, and other disenfranchised groups have benefited from that. Um, I don't necessarily see the issue in letting other black people from other continents come over here and also reap the benefits of that. I do. Um, I do expect and I believe Q would agree with this. I do um, expect that black Americans get recognition and respect for the work that they put in and labels not be placed on them as lazy or as anybody who's just not taking advantage of opportunities.
2: Right. But
4: I do expect us to be welcoming to other black people if over history we've been accepting to groups of people who are not
2: right. Black. OK, Q, what, what are your thoughts? Do you want you want to piggyback on that? Yeah, um, so
3: kind of the start, you know what I'm saying? Like first, I'm um, you know what I'm saying, I'm black American, but also on my mother's side, I'm Cape Verdean. You know what I'm saying? So I think from my experiences, I've kind of seen like the good and bad of both in terms of their interactions with each other and kind of how they're perceived. And um, I would say first, like, my middle name's a Millcar. you know what I'm saying? I named my son too, LaCuent says a Milkar Brown II, um, based on a Millcar Cabral. You know what I mean? It's a Cape Verdean Pan-Africanist. So I've always seen myself as a Pan-Africanist. I've always seen it as a beautiful ideology and movement, but I think where um, where I kind of differ from D is I don't fully see it as an identity. You know what I'm saying? I see it as a ideology and movement in the sense of, you know, as descendants from Africa, we should all have a collective uh, unity. We should all, you know what I'm saying? care about each other's circumstances, fight for each other in the situations where we can, you know what I'm saying? And always have each other's back, especially, you know, what I mean, when we're in these countries where that are still predominantly white. We should always be looking out for each so other. So
2: do you do you uh, feel not to cut you off, but do you feel that that happens within the um, ideology of it?
3: With, within the ideology, you know, the, like D was saying, the people who kind of are educated on Pan Af- Africanism and um and practice it, I was I would say so. But sometimes I also see, you know, like I say, you see the good and the bad of both sides in the sense of you know, growing up as a Cape Verdean, you know, I know Cape Verdeans that spoke bad on Black Americans, you know what I mean? I know Cape Verdeans that were like, don't have your kids playing with Black Americans, you know what I'm saying? And um. You know what I mean? I've also seen, you know, obviously we, as Black Americans, we've seen each other have those jokes about Africans and stuff like that. But um, the one thing I've all, one thing I always say is, as Black Americans, we're one of the most accepting and inclusive people. You know what I mean? You see on Twitter, we always trying to invite somebody to the cookout.
2: Everybody you know? gets to gets to end be the at the day. cookout. Yep. Mm-hmm.
3: You know, especially some people that don't need to be at the cookout. You feel <laughs> Right. Me? But but I will always say, you know, at the end of the day, despite each other's jokes, or you know, our, our, our diasporic uh, rivalries. Uh, I would like to see us embrace the movement because one thing I always talk about, I always tell people about, is um I remember reading an article, I believe it was on um ESPN's, they're, uh, you know, the off site that's like where the black writers write. I believe it's called Undisputed or Uninterrupted, yep. Yep. something along those lines. And um, if you go back, you could Google it a few years ago, they had a They had a conversation with all the black NBA, all the foreign-born black NBA players in the league. So it was like Dante Axum, Tony Parker, Giannis Antetokounmpo, people like that. And they they were all saying um, the one thing they really respect about black Americans is the fact that we have a, a collective solidarity with one another. If someone's murdered by police, like you saw in the George Floyd protest, we're going to go out there and ride. Sandra Bland, Breonna Taylor, we're going to ride for each other. And I will, I just want to see us all extend that and reciprocate it amongst each other. You know what I'm saying? No matter where we're from in the diaspora. But at the same time, we got to embrace each other's identities and our differences. A lot of times people will say, you know, Black Americans don't have culture. But we have one of the most consumed cultures in the world, you know what I mean. Uh, but at the same time, we can't look down on our African brothers and sisters. You know what I'm saying? We can't look down on our Caribbean brothers and sisters. We all, at the end of the day, we all black people. No matter where we go, as long as we're in a situation where we're not predominantly around black people, our nuance won't be observed. You know what I'm saying? So do, just you think, say do you think? Do you think the media person.
2: plays a way in, in that Q? Not to cut you off. Do you think the media helps helps? Um kind of uh, keep that separate that uh, separatism between the two parties do you think that ties into it
1: hello it is Ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff that is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day Lil.
0: The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. J-j-jumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void. We're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: 100%. I mean, perfect example. Look, it something like the Grammys that happened a couple nights ago. Now I know my boy D is a true Pan-Africanist. So, In the sense of, if we're all descendants of Africa, we'd all be kind of, we'd all be described as African. But when you watch the Grammys, Ah. there's a distinct category for African music. You know what I'm saying? And there's the first African artist to win a Grammy. You know what I mean? So it's like, those distinctions will always be made in the media. You You know what I mean? you got 30 seconds. Especially especially in terms, the the one thing I've noticed in the media is in terms of accomplishment, Sometimes they'll separate us, but in terms of negative, we all black people. You know what I'm saying? One bad thing happened. Don't nobody care whether you're from the Caribbean, you from you're Afro-Brazilian, you black. You know what I'm saying? And that's why, to me, as a as a ideology and a movement of solidarity, we should all be, embrace Pan-Africanism because we all gonna be judged the same. You know what I'm saying? And all we got is each other.
2: So, do you do you believe? this is kind of for both of you do you believe that if if we are in control of that then we should be the only people who dictate whether that's a good or like whether we're grouped as one or we're not like instead of allowing the media to do it because i i did see that and um burner boy is not the first african uh first african grammy nominated artist but that's a way to open up that's also, that's also marketing and political. Like, they're doing that to open up this Afrobeats, uh, like genre that they're gonna dump into the United States. Like, it's already been in these different countries, but f- from what I see happening is that Afrobeats and reggaeton are becoming like real big in the United States. So, I think because of something like that, it's a way to keep us separate but all be in the same pot. I don't know if that makes sense, but um that's kind of what i'm seeing happening and i see it happen more often than not within our community so um seems like both you guys are in agreement with that that was a nice little tidbit i figured we just get warmed up and and let the people know um you guys' stance and how you feel but let's let's get into it so i've seen a couple of times uh d on on uh twitter you've criticized the black culture a little bit i've, I've seen it um i i don't know in depth of that but I'm going to throw I'm going to throw this question to you. It's um what what are your thoughts on the black american culture outside of the pan african aspect of it? The people who claim that they are black americans and don't they don't feel connected to the continent. How how do you feel about the culture that has been created here by us in some issues that we may face either caused by ourselves or just in general? <clears throat> All right, yeah,
4: I'm going to answer this question to the best of my abilities. Uh, I'm not going to get too deep into it. No, nah, that's I what we're here for. Get deep. deep. Go. Well, in, I mean, I, mean yeah. I see that because I believe that there are some topics that for the black community that should be kept in house. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So if you can assure me that only some black folks are going to be listening to this then we can get deep down nah, into No, go it. ahead.
2: Go ahead dude. I can <laughs> I can't assure you who is going to listen, but I, I do right. know that it, it needs to fall it needs to fall with on the right ears that that might need to hear. So go as far as you feel um and and you're on the clock, man. Go ahead.
4: All right. So what I will say is that um, every culture has its its things that are traditional and that are are are, are um, shared values with every person in there. One, one second, always... D,
2: one second, D. Q. Um, yep. If and for both of you guys, well, I just thought about this, but if you feel the need to jump in, hit that raise your hand button, and we'll we'll go back and forth just in just in case. All right. Um, go ahead. I'm sorry, D. No, no. I was saying I think that every culture in in the black. American culture is no different
4: um that there are things that are positive and that we should obviously uphold and there should be some things that we should um look at and reflect on to see if we really want that to be in our culture. Um you know there are some things that you know that happen in our family structure that you know in societal purposes shouldn't be accepted. I'll just leave it at that and we need to work on that in general. Um and there should be things that you know we should reflect on like um the role of religion in our culture um which has historically been um who what I would argue went which was has been watered down over and over time um um and I mean like the the role of the black church and things like that um you could talk about the music who half the community feels like would blame for the violence that happens in our community on which I don't necessarily see a correlation but I mean apparently that's a debate um down to, Um, the divide between Black men and Black women, um, and colorism in the community. These are things that are, um, I wouldn't say are positive things in our culture, but things that we should actually talk about, Um, and that's where I start to draw the line, and I have no problem talking about those on a public platform, Um, and that's because, you know, I just love our people, and I feel like there's larger problems that we should be addressing, and um, and there's a lot of things that we can be building together, and those distract us from that. But as far as the Black American culture, when we're talking about music, when we're talking about dance, you know, when we're talking about contributions to the artistry, I know Q appreciates that stuff. When we're talking about um, politics, when we're talking about the development of nations or our contributions through history. Um, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't feel like I am bragging too much if I say that you know we are some, we are if not, the largest contributor to that on the planet earth right um and that includes all races not just you know other um black races and and ethnicities so um i know um we do get undervalued our contributions to the the global history uh, to american history to our current society it gets watered down a lot and that needs to be um, amplified, but at the same time, I believe that the two can coexist. Uh, we could build up Black Americans we could build up Black American contributions while also building the Pan African ideology at the same time. And I know we're going to get into this conversation a little bit later about how other Black ethnic groups view everybody else. Um, but um, that's just something to just keep in mind before we get over to that.
2: Right, right. Do you? Yeah. So do you? Um, real quick, do you feel? Like so, you guys both are Pan-African, so you believe that there should be a connection, and, and that's the way to do it. Um, so my my question is, I kind of want to hear a little bit more about the uh some of the things that you feel like. If you want to touch on one topic that you feel you would you would address differently, like you said religion, you said the family. He was running. Yeah. <laughs> Never had Never had. So, so um. Can you just kind of go in depth uh, to your to your comfort comfortability with one of those you said religion, you said the family, um I forgot the other one you said, but man and women. Women. Right, but the relationship between black men and women. So do you want to talk top touch on any of those? Just what you would do differently or how you could see it being changed or altered?
4: Yeah, absolutely. So um one of the topics that I'm really big on is one because I have a mother and I have a sister and I have a girlfriend. So um I could Talk about you know, the divide between black men and black women. Um, it seems like um there is this uh um uh how I would say this blame game going on between the two, in the sense of um one wants to lead and the other one doesn't think that they're ready to lead or they're needed to lead anymore, meaning that black men want to come in here and lead, and then black women to an extent in a general sense in the main according to the mainstream, um, uh, they don't feel like they need to submit to anybody, and which is cool. That's perfectly fine. Um I'm kind of solution-based when it comes to things. So when problems come, I'm a the first thing I'm asking is, you know, why is this happening, right? And at the end of the day, and I know that on average, like a lot of Black men and Black women are raised by You know, single mothers at the end of the day. And there's no fault to the black men that they weren't in the household. It's a lot of systemic things that were happening. Um, There's a lot of intentional things by the United States government and you know racial groups that contributed to the black men being out the household. But essentially, our women have been holding it down for us for about 50, 60 years. You know, at the very least, even at the time of the protest, most and majority of the people who have been protesting have been black women. Um, a majority of our people who have been educated have been black women. You know, the, like a majority of our people who have been making it up to these high places have been black women. So they've been holding down the community for a while now. Now, it seems like, you know, there's this push for black men to come in here, um, which in and say, like, you know what? Um, we want to be more involved, which they always wanted to be. But now they're finally we're finally getting the capabilities to do so, you know, because we're getting more educated and stuff like that. We're making smarter decisions, becoming entrepreneurs, becoming independent thinkers, questioning the stuff that, you know, we didn't question beforehand. And that's something that I encourage. Got your but last thoughts.
2: Get your last thought out of there. And then I'm
4: going to uh, go. All right. Right. So essentially what I would say, and I put the onus on the black men who essentially want to be leaders in the community at the end of the day, that um, ultimately, Um, our women are hurt and our community is hurt. So as a leader, you can't just take all the good. We got to accept the bad with the good at the same time. So we have to come in here. And if we really want to be leaders in our community, then we really have to come in here. We need to talk to our women, say, you know what? We appreciate you for holding it down for such a long time or whatever. We don't need you to follow us. We could work with us. You could work with us and we'd we'll be better. And then after the time, we could come up with an agreement. After time, we could come up with an agreement and decide how we work together. But, I mean, I know there's more I have to say about that, but
2: I'm mean, okay. running out. That's so all, all good. You- Q, you want to go?
3: Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So um to your point, my thoughts on black American culture, you know, first I just want to say it's a beautiful culture. I love my culture, you know what I'm saying? Like from the cuisine down to down to everything. I love our, our differences in our regional Black American culture. You know what I'm saying? Um first things first, whenever I discuss issues, I'd be remiss not to say there was um there's a brother who um he had this quote he always said, Pan-Africanist, he said, "Um, when I'm amongst the masses, first thing I'm going to do is blame white people. When I'm amongst my people, I'm going to say black people don't pass the buck. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to do a mixture of both. You know what I mean? So first thing is like, whenever we talk black issues, we always have to observe the two periods in time when black people was left the hell alone. Early reconstruction and directly post-civil rights movements. If you look at any measurable statistic, any quantifiable data point, anything. When black people directly in early Reconstruction and post-civil rights movement was left alone, meaning before white legislators learned new ways to oppress us, we we achieved great things. There's no way people who were who literally were born as slaves could go on to become senators. Entrepreneurs. That's one thing I always mention. When people talk about the lynchings and stuff, they they think black these black people are just random, degenerate, homeless black people just out and about. A lot of these people are business owners. You know what I'm saying? A lot of these people are community leaders. They were killed for specific reasons. It was targeted. So anytime we left alone, a lot of these issues find find their way to heal themselves. But you know what I'm saying? As long as we're oppressed. The one thing, uh, I'll, I'll speak directly to issues that we could fix. And my thing, first of all, is equity. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's one of the reasons why y'all know I talk a lot of junk about up north. Because I tell people all the time, the northeast is an extremely great microcosm of what America is. Whole Everything that make the northeast lit is not from white people. And the equity up there is not in non-white people's hands, specifically black people. You know what I'm saying? So anytime I talk about issues with black people, I feel like we need to find a way to organize and find ways to get ourselves equity. One thing I talk about by when I was studying my MBA, we do different case studies. You start to see how companies like Dollar General, Family Dollar, Dollar Tree, how these companies are able to amass wealth and also to amass wealth in terms of assets and real estate. And they're primarily in black communities. A lot of people say the black dollar don't move far. You know, if you do, if you had a business that solely wanted the black dollar, you ain't gonna make no money, but there's a lot of cultures we keep in money who have businesses in our communities. You know what I'm saying? That's first things first. We have to find a way to come together take this education that in these generations, we're now starting to obtain, put our dollars together, our own our own businesses before until we're as a whole materially, healthy it, it's hard to have discussions about the inter the the gender issues and, and some of these other nuanced issues because we all just surviving you know what i mean we all out here surviving trying to make it in america it's the rat race dog eat dog so the first thing we need to do is come together create funds with each other you know what i'm saying whether it's uh investment funds you know what I mean? Whether you coming up with scholarships, we need to put find ways to put our dollars together that could tangibly help our community and increase
2: our equity. Why do you why do you believe that this has been done right? Excuse me, in history before, um, and the leaders that have facilitated this essentially or the communities have been literally bombed and and, and the people have been killed, right? So why do you feel that in this new generation of money and wealth um why hasn't that happened yet is that is that a byproduct of everything that kind of D was talking about with the way our culture has been set up negatively in certain ways as far as like the things that keep you know during I learned a lot from you Q, a, a lot of times um when the when the black household was a was uh two parented it was more the the money was flowing in the the quality of life was better and this was I don't know don't quote me on it you know sixties or whatever like you said post civil war, uh, mm-hmm. pope, um, and civil, civil rights right. post civil rights yeah so my question is how how do we how do we make that happen right like there's millions of like are we that damaged as a culture to to be able to do that. Nah, I don't think we're that
3: damaged. I think we're that discouraged. You know what I'm saying? Because when you think about especially again the last time we were left alone and doing successfully, the moment we weren't left alone, our leaders were killed. You know what I'm saying? And our leaders, the the Black Panthers, Fred Hampton, Huey New and the people who were providing
0: Okay, round 2. Name something that's not boring. A laundry?
4: Ooh, a book club.
1: in that case, I pronounce you lucky.
0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: Some semblance of equity, you know, trying to create free lunch programs and help our kids. They, they were murdered. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like every generation after that, it became, well, I got to fight for myself. And I got to fight for my family because right. the moment I extend myself to the community, I'm a target.
2: You know what I mean? Do you, do you feel people like Hove? this is not a question that we, that we listed, but it's kind of getting me to thinking, and I'll give you a couple minutes and then I'll let D go. But do you think people like Hove and, and all these big celebrities um, help or harm our chances of being able to rebuild some of that stuff? Cause they talk about how, you know, the, the, Everybody has liquor, you know what I'm saying? But there's no grocery store or, you know, there's, a, there's, there's not programs that are created. You know, Hove has been taking a, a, the recent back, backlash for the Grammy speech. So mm-hmm. I wonder if you guys have the same opinion or, or like, how do you feel about that, Q? I'll, I'll let you go for like two minutes and then I'll, I'll shoot it over to D. So what do you think?
3: I'm glad you brought it up because first and foremost, it goes to my point again. The first person I'm never going to blame is a black person. You know what I'm saying? Because people, and I, I got to say it, I, there's a lot of Biden voters who got something to say to hold. Oh, if you want to talk about someone damaging black people, let's start with Joseph Biden, y'all uncle, the cat y'all wanted at the cookout. You know what I'm saying? That's first and foremost. I got to Number two, we need to blame the other Bidens that the common person may not know. You can't be upset with Hove for creating something like the Barclays and not upset with the borough presidents and the mayors and governors of New York who redlined Brooklyn to begin with. If, if Hove wanted the Barclays to come to help job creation, isn't that what we want as Black people? Don't we want something like a rock nation where there's thousands of jobs created he, he bought a whole extension of an agency from CAA and employed black people, put black people, a lot of black women in high earning positions, executive positions, C-suite positions. He's representing black talent and fighting for them to make sure they get their money. There, there's Rock Nation guys uh, that play football that's getting guaranteed contracts. They don't even like guarantee guaranteeing contracts in the NFL. You know what I mean? So at the end of the day, 30 seconds Q, I feel like there are some celebrities that use their branding in toxic in toxic ways, but the ones who are productive, we have to, we have to salute them. We have to give them their flowers and maybe they need to be educated and given some revolutionary teaching so that maybe they could take it to the next level. But at the end of the day, we have to appreciate job creators in the Black community because there's a lot of people who want to get it out the mud and don't never give nothing back. You know what I'm saying? Go ahead, D. What do you think? What are you thinking?
4: Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to agree with Q in the sense of I'm never going to blame a Black person first. Um, You know, I feel like we operate and we we operate under the conditions that, you know, we're given in an environment that we're born in. Um, But I will say that whenever, to answer your earlier question about um, how do we do it or like what's stopping you know the progress that you know like she was talking about in terms of equity um you know and amassing political power we, we need to recognize that you know um white supremacy has ingrained has entrenched itself in our history in our community so much that they created different factions um of black people i mean you have you know uh, the people that just gave up they don't think anything's going to change so they don't care they're just living life you know you have the people that control actions and you know that could be like your church, your church folk you know your moderate democrats or anything any people along those lines that say yeah I mean, we agree with you but you know you shouldn't do it this way you shouldn't do it that way you know you have the people who are militant who are just ready to blow stuff up and say oh we got to physically take this stuff over you got the people who just don't care you know you got the people who are ignorant and that's not an insult to them. You know, it's, they just don't know what's going on. or I mean, they don't feel like they have the time. Right. And right. then, you know, the people I hate the most, you got the raccoons. So, yeah,
2: they're
4: the people that know better. They're in positions of power and stuff like that. But they continue to work with power structures that keep us down and they keep giving us gradual increases and just, you know, just tell us, uh, just be grateful that we have this for this time, you know. So, so, you know, what OK, you know, so I'd be damned if I look at um, a Jay Z or, uh, or or another or a LeBron James and be like, you know, what are you really doing for the black community in a sense? And then on top of that, if they really didn't want them to be billionaires or have their economic power anymore, then they could strip them just like that. So, you know what I mean? They don't even have the means of production to really make true fundamental structural change at billionaires and people with resources, quote unquote, in our community. 10 seconds. Um, yep. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just leaving it at that. But I'm just saying, keep that in mind when we start talking, thinking about um, why things aren't happening. At the end of the day, it's all coming down to a white supremacist structure. And whether we want to believe it or not, the American government and the governments that they collaborate with all the way down everywhere in the federal system, from local to state governments, is all part of the white supremacist power structure here in the United States.
2: So speaking of raccoons those damn coons speaking of those goddamn coons um i want to know what your thoughts are essentially because both of you guys mentioned it um but you know historically well not even historically uh as black people we started off as republicans right um and then we were kind of swayed into believing that the democratic way was uh De- democratic party was the way and that's all most people vote um, majority of don't black Americans. Say that again. Don't do that. My brother. I, I, listen, I'm, I'm just, I'm giving, I'm giving the aspect of, of what, what well, I see from a, well, um, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't even
3: mean to interrupt your question.
5: No, go ahead. But you gotta
3: observe a important historical data point. You know what I'm saying? The Republican party and the democratic party had a fundamental switch Whole civil war right, right you know what i'm right, saying so right. uh, what would have been the republican party in the mid to early 1800s is now the democratic party right okay
2: you know gotcha. what I'm saying?
3: all right so let me so i'm i stand corrected yep. and, um and,
4: and to, go ahead. To, before to go straight to add on to that the republican party it seems like there had there's like this historical misconception that the republican party was the anti-slavery party um which in in reality it was Essentially an anti spread of slavery party. So when there was time that the Republican Party was actually, you know, born, um, they were just against slavery expanding to the West as the United States was expanding in their territory. But they were fully fine with slavery happening
2: in the South. Okay. So that's another thing. So, um, how do you how do you feel about the political parties today? Obviously, they've had, like you said, fundamental switches. Do you feel um based off of my, you know, I'm not, I'm not in the trenches like that. I kind of see, and I, I learned, but I feel like there's been this preconceived notion that, you know, um, all black people should be voting Democrat. There's not like, it's, it's not, it's not necessarily that way, but that's how it's perceived. Um, you've heard plenty of people on campaigns even use that as a thing. So how do you feel about the political parties and um, just in general, in, in the way they have an effect on our community in itself? Uh, Because I know most, you know, sometimes I don't believe this I'm an open-minded thinker But people sometimes believe if you're a re- Republican, you're a coon If you're a Democrat, you're, like, there's a lot of preconceived ideas That people don't really know So, um, D, I would like for you to just kind of touch on it You don't have to say, but just to kind of give your, your thoughts on it
4: Alright, so yeah, I would want to start with saying that, you know My family was, is was the typical like you know we're gonna vote democrat down the line they didn't know what the hell they were voting for if you had a d next to your name they were straight line ticket voting down the middle and at the time um when you know our boy barack was running (laughs) and whatever i was uh i think he won when i was um in eighth grade i believe or eighth grade believe man i had obama shirt the obama sneakers i had the obama ringtone on my phone everything yeah so i was purely purely, i was obama everything (laughs) yeah man could do no wrong you know but i didn't really start having smoke from my guy until i got old and i got more educated on this um there was a quote um because i saw this question when you sent out the email And there was this quote, and I think it it encompasses exactly the state that black people are when it comes to political parties, in particular with the Democratic Party right now. And it was from um, Lyndon B. Johnson. And, you know, he's significant to, you know, black history because he was the president, quote unquote, that signed the Civil Rights Act um, back in, I believe it was 1964. But this is the quote. And um, I can send everybody the link too. I can send you the link and everything too. But he says these Negroes, they're getting pretty uppity these days, and that's a problem for us since they've got something now that they never had before. The political pull to pull back up their uppityness. Now we've got to do something about this. We got to give them a little something, just enough to quiet them down, not enough to make a difference. For if we don't move at all then their allies will line up against us and there'll be no way of us stopping them. We'll lose the filibuster and there'll be no way for us. There will be no way of putting a break on all sorts of wild legislation. It will be reconstruction all over again. Mm. So essentially um, what the democratic party um, and what Lyndon B. Johnson um, did, you know, at the time, as you said um a lot of black people were teetering between Democrats and Republicans at the time. He essentially made the political move. And this is something that, you know, a lot of um, uh, black people should know about politics and stuff. You know, timing and political opportunity plays a role in a lot of legislation that gets passed in our communities um, at the end of the day. For example, you know, about 10 years ago, nobody heard or well, the general message didn't know what Juneteenth was. And then in the most recent years, Juneteenth has come something. And then, what, was it Joe Biden who made Juneteenth a national holiday or something? And everybody's clapping and cheering, knowing that our people are still under the conditions, the material conditions that we've been in for the past 60 years. Um. So essentially, our we've been, I was reading an article too, and I don't remember what it was called, but it was saying that the Black community is in a domestic violence relationship with the Democratic Party. Um. At the same time, you know, we keep religiously voting Democrat for 50 60 70 years at a 90 percent clip no matter who's there whether it's al gore whether it's Barack obama whether it's bill clinton whether it's joe biden whether it's hillary clinton at the same time but we're still not getting anything from it we've been voting them for 60 70 years and yet we're still in the same conditions as we were before so do political parties have a cert have a purpose in the black community i believe i think if a political party truly encapsulated the values of black people then sure they definitely would have. Um, organization is always the best way to um, to push an agenda. As these two political parties, the Democrats and the Republicans, I would say hell no. And when the majority of Black people are Democrats, that's just a fact, um, we have more smoke for Democrats because they're the ones that come in our communities um, and say that they're going to do stuff for us. When they fail for their shortcomings, they blame the Black voters. Um, when they win because black voters voted them at record high numbers. They don't give us any credit. So, you know, it's just something that is, that's just the bare bones truth. And that goes for um, on any level, the state level we're talking about, you know, whether you're talking about AOC, whether you're talking about Stacey Abrams, you know, when you talk about Joe Biden, Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, all that stuff, you know, it doesn't matter who you talk about at the state or national now level. One minute, one minute. Same story. All right, yeah. It's the same story. So in reality, um, I know Q and I both have smoke for the vote blue no matter what, people, because of this point exactly. Um at this moment in time, it the narrative was like, Oh, if you don't vote for Joe Biden, you're voting for Trump. And it's like, no, homeboy, like if I don't vote for Joe Biden and I don't vote for Trump, and I vote for let's say, um joe stein in the green party man that means i voted for joe stein like you know that's essentially what it is and if i decide not to vote that means i'm not voting for anybody because not one of these people represent my values and my community is either going to go through the same thing or they're going to end up worse with one of these people in power um which we see it end up worse when we voted Joe Biden in power um same thing for donald trump it it ended up worse even though some people might claim that it was you know we've done the best economically and stuff like that but it doesn't really matter because we were still in the same condition that we were so ultimately you know, what black people, what I suggest black people do is what I call become free thinkers. You know, what I think the community should do is literally not vote for those people unless they give you something for you to vote for. And essentially, that's where the conundrum. And that's another thing in black culture. Essentially, I guess you could say that's in black American culture. Last, last that word.
2: That's it. Yep. Go ahead, Q.
3: Yeah, you know, I just got some um, unfortunate news for people, despite what Trey say. Um, if you're black and you vote Republican, you a coon. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I'm going to call a spade a spade. You know, unfortunately, if you're black and you vote Democrat, you're on your way, too. You know what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, I, I, I refer to what Malcolm X said. It's the fox and the wolf mentality. The Republican is the wolf. You know they're going to, if you're a sheep, you know they coming to eat you. You know they hunting you. When you see them, they smoke. If you see the fox, that's the Democrat. It's going to smile at you. It's going to get close to you. It's going to act friendly. But the result is still the same. You're still going to be eaten. You know what I'm saying? So at the end of the day, I have an extreme disdain for Republicans because they tell you who they are. They tell you they're racist. They tell you they don't care about black people. They tell you they're going to vote in every way against your interests. Democrats, I have an extreme disdain for them too, for the same exact reasons, except they don't tell you, but their actions tell you. You know what I'm saying? But if you listen to Democrats properly, and unfortunately in the forums that most black people don't listen to them in, go to Joe Biden's Senate hearings of the 1980s, where he described racial integration as potentially a racial jungle. You know what I'm saying? He didn't want his kids in a racial jungle. Again, this is the cat a lot of people voted for, and I don't, I don't believe in holding someone accountable after they've received my vote. It's too late. They got what they wanted. You know, you can't hold nobody accountable when they have the power they asked for. You hold them accountable by withholding your vote or writing someone you like. I, I, I want my black people to learn two political tactics that we don't know enough about. And we rarely, if ever, practice initiatives and referendums. Get on your initiatives and referendums. You can get the things you want on a ballot. You can get the candidates you want on a ballot. I unfortunately, uh, when it comes to um, when it comes to this election, we're stuck with the same two evils. There's no lesser of two evils. We got Biden, that's cancer. We got Trump, that's AIDS. Either way, you're out of here. You know what I'm saying? So at the end of the day, I want people to be politically savvy. Study these candidates. Look up a brother like Cornell West. I have some objections with Cornell West, but hey, the one thing I will say is candidates like him... Some people, if you want to do a Jill Stein, these people at least have some form of tangible difference from the Republican and Democrats. The Republican and Democrats pass the same form of legislations, the same. It, what's wild is this immigration policy Biden is about to pass is more is further right than the immigration policy Trump proposed. But no one cares because it's a Democrat. That's what we got to get ourselves out of. We have to have the political intelligence and savvy to research these things. Understand what this legislation actually means. Understand its impact. When people was out here telling me Biden was going to make things better for black people, I heard all that stop the moment he was whooping Haitians on horseback.
0: You know what I'm saying? At
3: the end of the day.
0: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
3: A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Again, we have to educate ourselves because we have a lot of foxes out here. We have candidates like Stacey Abrams, who one minute she's running a progressive agenda, she takes an L, comes back with a more moderate agenda. You know what I mean? Go on these people's websites. Go to these when they have these town hall meetings. Go there, ask them questions. As black people, we can't afford to keep mindlessly voting and we can't afford to keep being passive citizens. At a certain point, we have to say, yo enough's enough. We have a political power and a political leverage. There's like, perfect example, my grandma lives in Alabama. Black women alone were so responsible for Doug Jones to win the senatorial race in Alabama. And that dude, Doug Jones, went out there and was one of those Democrats. Every time you see a, a Senate bill being voted on, you go, dang, Six Democrats voted with the Republicans. Who are those? One of them was Doug Jones. You know what I'm saying? So again, mm. you can't tell us we don't have political leverage when black women were the largest Democrat to vote for that man and won him an election. You know what I'm saying? There's so many times black people have won these candidates' elections and then they go, oh, that's just 13% of the population. In a population where at best 60% of people vote, if the whole 13%, which is 45 million votes, that's a lot of black people. You know what I'm saying? So we need to collectivize our votes. And again, this is where us not having leadership hurts. Because If we had the proper leadership that could talk to us, that could mobilize black people, then the more black people who aren't paying attention to politics, and more so follow mainstream news, will be better equipped to know who to, get, who to put their vote in. So, but until you know, I suggest withholding. So, Q, uh,
2: um, what what do what do we do as a as a culture? And and you could kind of answer this too. The um, what do you do as a culture? Right, you you withhold the vote. This it, honestly, this reminds me of um, this reminds me of artist. I can I compare this to artists who. Um, you want unions as an artist, but you don't hold like we've seen the strike with the actors and we've seen them go out and get what they wanted. Maybe not everything, but they got what they wanted. So you look at music and, and people are complaining about these splits. They're complaining about streams, but artists aren't willing to stop work. Essentially, if the, if black voters hypothetically just stop, if black voters just stopped voting, for an election like this year, everyone, everyone who was black, they just say, yo, you know what? I'm only going to vote in my local elections. I'm going to withhold my vote for the presidential campaigns. What would that do for us holding any political power moving forward? Would that help? Would that harm? What would, what would that do for our people? I'm going to give you three minutes and I'm going to give D three minutes. Pause. Yeah,
3: that would help because it would sink the democratic party. They the Democrats rely on the Black vote and almost assume it to be there. And they actually campaign and fight for the votes of other demographics, specifically Hispanics and Latinos, the LGBTQ community. They'll go out there, fight for their votes, put a a whole bunch of legislation on their agenda for those groups and just assume, hey, Black people are gonna show up for us. The moment we don't, our voter turnout is low. we're, We're not voting. The Democratic Party won't have the numbers because white people are, by and large, moderate. They're not going to vote in a Democratic candidate solely on white voter turnout and white voter participation. So once that happens, the Democratic Party is going to have to have a tough conversation. Do we continue to keep playing these games, which I suspect they will, or do we actually appeal to black voters and give them what they want so we might have to, it may not be one election cycle we withhold our vote, may need to be two. But at the end of the day, we need to hold our vote and have our have our dignity and integrity and be stolid in our movement and say, no, you're not getting this vote until you give me something. Because at the end of the day, what is the reciprocal relationship between us and Democrats? We give them our vote, we give them power. We give them privilege because, let's be real, The Democratic candidates are going to con- Congress and running the bag up. Nancy Pelosi, yeah, that's all of them
2: that's getting
3: money. Tory Booker, whoever you want to name, they're getting money. So 400000 just to go speak to some people. So we're giving them everything. What are they giving us? And it has to be tangible. I don't want a holiday. You know what I'm saying? I don't I don't want these, these uh, paint in the road Black lives matter. You know what I'm saying putting putting the black and pan-african flag over over places flying it. I don't want those things. We need tangible things. We need we need uh, perfect one one tangible thing. I would say which we're seeing directly attacked by Republicans in support of some Democrats uh, is the attack against cash bail, the attack against bail funds. You know what I mean? Once again, something that Hove participated in, creating bail funds to free Ferguson protesters, George Floyd protesters, and other black legal services. But we need to withdraw our vote and say, until you give us something, and this isn't going to be a relationship where you tell us you'll give us something and then we vote for you. No, get up in that office. For those of you that are still in office, your homies took that L, go put something in there for us. And then maybe we'll come back to the polls for you. What do you think, D? Yeah, to build off what, what Q said,
4: you know, a lot of people would think like, well, um, you know, what leverage do we have over them? I mean, but essentially, if people are running for office. No one no one should want to run for office, um, essentially, to deal with a whole bunch of people, with a whole bunch of problems, get extra great hairs, look older than you really are. No one should really want to. So there has to be something that incentivizes them, you know. People in Congress, people in the Senate, I think they make about like two hundred and seventy four thousand dollars a year. And that's before the insider trading. You know, they have some of the best, <laughs> you know, people in the House of Representatives. Damn. I think they're somewhere like between like one ninety four or something. And that's before the insider trading again. So, you know what I'm saying? So they get some bread in the connections and the banking deals behind there, the books that they write and all that stuff. So there's a sentence for them to run for power. If you want that and we know you're getting it, then you need to come with something but what like what q said you know we might have to you know withhold our vote for the first or or one or two elections essentially you know we should hold our vote once until we get something that you something tangible like he was saying and we get that from if you're going to talk to our community leaders and it has to be community leaders that we trust it can't be entertainers it can't be actors it can't be kim kardashian it can't be preachers and stuff like that it has to be people who are really doing grassroots work on the ground and, and and people that we trust and we select as a community and they need to come up with an agenda specifically for black people, for black people. Don't group us in with some other things talking about like, oh, well, we're going to. Um, do agenda of mass incarceration to you know release prisoners. Yes, that will help us at the end of the day. But we need to hear the language of releasing black prisoners at the end of the day. We need to give scholarships to black students. We need to give money to black businesses whatsoever. Because um, at the end of the day, that's what we need, and you know, and that's what is tangible and what our community can can sow. I mean, reap. Um, so that's really what should be happening. And yes. Um, once those actually come to fruition, then we will, we'll, we can have a conversation about, well, if we can continue to give her our vote, but we shouldn't be just solely focusing. Ideally, we shouldn't be solely focusing on the democratic party. I mean, at the end of the day, that's where we are most of the time, but if they're not giving us anything, then maybe we should float between, let me say America, I believe has over 34 political parties, believe it or not. Um, it's not just Democrat and Republican. You know, there's Libertarian, you know, there's Green, there's the Freedom Party. You know, you have a Communist Party, you have um the Social Democrats. I mean, granted, you don't necessarily have to agree with everything that they say, but there are more selections than just the Democrat and Republican Party. All right. Let's um, just put in our energy into these two parties and saying, well, this is the only, these are the people that are most likely to win. they are the most likely people to win because we're not looking for any other options. At the end of the day. I mean, even on the local level, I can tell you right here in Waterbury, there are people with great ideas, great ideas, and they want to start their own thing. But as soon as they start spewing these ideas, they say, oh, why don't you run over here for the Democratic Town Committee, knowing that, eventually, that's one person going into a system that's already established and knowing that they're going to be drowned out. It happens all the time. We have people like running the office. For example, on the National, level. we have Bernie Sanders. Man, I was a big Bernie Sanders guy when he first came ten, out.
2: Ten he seconds.
4: Yep, AOC, and they're talking about, oh, we gotta tax the rich, we gotta send people to jail for Wall Street fraud, the housing bubble, all this stuff. And two weeks, I mean two years later, Bernie Sanders is working for Biden and saying, look, we need to vote for him because you know he's the only way out. Same thing with Elizabeth Warren, um, who else? Um, Sherrod Brown. Like these are all Congress people who came out as progressive, and then all of a sudden they got watered down once they started um trickling into the democratic system. So essentially, we gotta hold firm. And it's going to be hard, but I would encourage our people as long as as well as participating in these political systems to actually get involved in grassroots work. We need to start supplying for our own people like, you know, the Black Panthers, for example. So we had our own health clinics. We had our free um, our our lunch programs for our kids that the local government actually co-opted and turned into lunch in schools you know so like we have done things for ourselves in the past we just need to get back to that and it takes time effort energy And it might take a little bit of our money that we have too, to actually get it done but it'll be worth it in the end and then say damn these political parties until they're ready to talk seriously
2: i think um i think this conversation is great because i think it highlights everything that um we need to hear Um, from our, from our own people. And sometimes like, I didn't know there's 34 different parties or, um, options that you have, you know, it's not just, I know it's not just two, say that again. I just threw a number out there, but it's more than that. But yeah, I know, I know there's a good amount. It's not just Democrat, Republican. I I know that there's a lot of people who, um, voted for Jill Stein and, and thought that she was very progressive. Um, I was a big Bernie Sanders fan until, um i don't know until he i don't know he lost i think that whatever i won't speak my own personal beliefs in there but um this kind of this kind of ties into the next question we're gonna get into like reparations and just how how you feel about them and um what rules or regu- regulations would you put to help our people sustain that money over time i'd, I'd let's just say it's a really good amount um generational wealth type type of reparations where uh you can actually create and and fend for our ourselves to be able to create whatever create whatever you want for your family individually but you would have that option to do that um what what would you if we were granted reparations what would be some rules or regulations that you believe we should set in place so we don't trip ourselves up especially when we talk about culture and and things like that so something that would help reset our culture to to relearn equity to relearn these things that we would need to sustain that money over time what do you think d and then we'll go to uh q to the right
4: well i'll start by saying for me like reparations are non-negotiable like that's something that needs to happen for the community and um you know there is it's hard to put a number on that because essentially if you're talking about reparations, you have to talk about exactly what was taken from black people. I mean, we're talking about um, centuries of um, manual labor. We're talking about rape. We're talking about pillage. We're talking about a destruction of culture, religion, and essentially the demolition of an identity. And I'm talking about just the black Americans. I'm not even talking about, I'm talking about like, all this happened right here in america and we're talking about a complete demolition of identity to the point that people can't go back two three generations to see exactly who they are you know so um it's a non-negotiable that needs to happen and if we were putting it in monetary terms i know i've read a few articles and a few um studies that they're saying that the reparations for black americans alone um essentially would be in the trillions of dollars um we know that they got it for us because we see them do it all the time you know what I mean? They just um, gave know, it guess- to
2: Ukraine, so uh,
4: you know, we're right. sitting there, but even beyond that, I- I'll say this um, you know, post World War II, I pulled up, I-, I wrote some things down the Civil Liberties Act of 1988. You know, this was back when the um, during World War II, where Americans thought a lot of Japanese citizens would turn on them, so they placed a lot of Japanese Americans in internment camps. You know, after that, um, they gave essentially $20,000 to all the camp survivors here in the United States. That was a total of about 82,250 eligible people. You know, um, if you adjusted that for inflation as of 2020, that's $3.5 billion. So, you know, that's what they gave to Japanese Americans. You know, a few years ago, we were talking about um, a few uh, some hate crimes that were given to people uh, that happened to a few people in the Asian communities they had an executive order and shortly after they had legislation passed right at that moment when we're talking about you know the the gay our gay brothers and sisters at the end of the time they had legislation passed for a series of years under the Obama under the Obama administration so we know um, and actually, in a historical context, when slaves were freed after the Emancipation Proclamation, reparations were paid to slave owners who lost their slaves. At the time, it was about $300 per slave. If that was today, it would be $8,000 per slave. You know, so like reparations have been given to people who were who were stripped of economic and social privilege or disenfranchised before. Um, it just seems that black Americans are the only people um, that this debate comes to fruition. Now, what I will say is this, there does have to be a way that we have to um, differentiate between, you know, black, um, black people who derive from American slavery and, you know, black people who just came over here. And that that differentiation has to come from our community, because if it's not and we let the people that we are attempting to get reparations from, they're going to use that as a way of, say, of not giving us reparations whatsoever. Just to uh, yeah, clear
2: just to clarify like just, r- just to clarify real quick, do you mean like the like um people who benefited direct- well not benefited but who were um descendants of american black American slaves versus like Africans who may have immigrated over here and is that what you mean by that correct Correct, Um. so essentially I mean I believe uh, I,
4: in, in a global sense I believe that all black people If you are colonized or enslaved by any European or white supremacist structure You deserve some type of reparations You know, but it wouldn't be fair To black Americans if we let somebody From Nigeria come over here They've been here two months and yet they're eligible for reparations It doesn't really make sense And the white supremacist power structure I know they don't want to give us those reparations whatsoever But they will use that as a talking point Or an excuse not to give us reparations They're going to say like where does it stop? They're going to say things like, how do we differentiate between you guys? And honestly, when it comes to killing us or when it comes, they can't, they don't decide to differentiate us anyways. Um, Whenever it's negative, they don't want to do that anyways. Right. So we have to come up with those parameters. And honestly, I don't have the answers on, or I don't even have a suggestion on how we do that um, because it's kind of, it's kind of murky because
0: like I said, a lot of us can't go back. Okay. Round two, name something that's not boring
1: That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase
0: necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. A few generations back anyways.
4: So, um, but at the same time, that differentiation has to happen somehow, some way. And, you know, for some suggestions, you know, cash payments are always nice. Come on now. We need the cash and we need that adjusted for inflation yeah. Like honestly, I'm not I'm not talking don't give me two acres and a mule now. Give me five hundred thousand dollars if that's what it is per person, if that's what it has to be. You know, I believe that we should have pardons for black people, especially those who were um, you know, over policed um because of the war on drugs. Um and I believe and those that were um, separated from their families and then educational opportunities for sure. Got Yo, 10 seconds. In the United States should be going to a university for free. I don't care who it is. It don't matter if it's Harvard, if it's Yale, if it's UConn, if it's university, of Southern California, we should be going to college for free because of the country, uh, especially, especially HBCUs. Find a way to get us there for free, because that's exactly what we started. And, Um, essentially those are just a few of the three that came into my head. I know there's more, but I mean, I'm not really expert on that, but uh, maybe Q has a few more to build on with.
2: I like that. I like that. Um, I I also, to add in there, um, definitely shouldn't be paying for ancestry.com, but, um, go ahead, Q. (laughs) I (laughs) feel
3: you. Man, um, reparations is essential. And like the one thing, but again, I got my MBA, so I like to think of things strictly from a business perspective so we could appeal to the people who would never think of it from an emotional perspective. So first of all, the way we talk about slavery in terms of economics is always vague and um, dismissive. We, we a lot of times don't even try to like speak on the economics of slavery. A lot of people don't know the South generated so much money through slavery in their uh, agricultural production Thanks to slavery, that France almost joined the Civil War as an ally to the South to fight against the Union. That's how much France was dependent upon the cotton and the sugar cane that the slaves were producing. That's first of the only reason why they didn't is because Britain threatened them that if you get involved, we're going to come knocking on your door. So France sat back and chilled. Yep. So When we speak of the economics of slavery, we have to understand, these slave owners were, in their times, the Jeff Bezos, the Bill Gates, the Steve Jobs, in terms of money. These people had extreme wealth with no wages. So I like to tell people, Apple is worth $2.92 trillion. Imagine if they did not pay wages. That's what a large production antebellum slave plantation was. They generated that level of economics. So when we're talking money, you, the government needs to break off a hefty check. When I looked it up, at the time of 1860, the valuation today in slavery would have been at least $42 trillion. So the conversation can't start nothing less than that. You know what I'm saying? It can't start nothing less than $42 trillion. I wouldn't even want to entertain it. The only only thing, I don't want it to stop at money, is D said, we need free education. For as many generations as slavery existed. If slavery existed 12 generations, 12 generations of black people going to college for free. If, when it comes to taxes, we don't need to be paying taxes for as many generations as we didn't benefit from them. A lot of people don't know, black people were paying property taxes paying land taxes for generations just for those property taxes to not be infused into their communities. When you pay property taxes, that property tax is then supposed to go to your public resources in your community. Those black people's property taxes were being taken out of our community and going to white communities. Our public schools didn't benefit from our property taxes, our roads, our our, Anything you could think of that's a public resource that the government is responsible for maintaining, our property taxes weren't responsible for that. That's number two. So for as many generations as that happened, we don't need to be paying no taxes. People don't talk about the times of the Freedmen's Bank, which was a bank where Black people invested their money post-slavery. It was supposed to be a bank to help Black people create generational wealth and to begin their own wealth post-slavery so they could store their money. Most people don't know. The black people who put that money in that bank never saw that money again. The government took that money. That's sounds like a scam sold. from the
2: jump, yo. Keep going, my fault.
3: You see what I'm saying? So, again, the money lost in the Freedmen's Bank, add that to the $42 trillion. That's mandatory. There's When we talk to, and then, honestly, we need community-based reparations. With the, with the brothers and sisters in Tulsa experience, ain't the same as with brothers and sisters Elsewhere experience. we need to find those descendants. They need to be compensated. Unfortunately, uh, we had we had a sister who was a Tulsa Tulsa massacre survivor. She just passed recently. You know what I'm saying? So these are people who they are they were still alive, and those atrocities were never reconciled. You know what I'm saying? So well, when it comes to reparations, we need to be talking money. We need to talk education. We need to talk taxes. We need to talk land. You know what I'm saying? Because even um even in my in my ancestry, I have what I believe was a great great uncle on my father's side. He was during the Forty Acres and a Mule. He was given some land, and he had enough money as a freedman that he had built up, where he ended up getting about eighteen acres. Before his life ended, them eighteen acres belonged to a white man, when they duped him out of the deed. You know what I'm saying? So. The, the, when we talk reparations, it has to be so robust. And and I, I don't care what any community says. I don't care how much they think it's unfair. Slavery for generations is unfair. White wealth, the, the, the inequality gap, the wealth inequality gap between white people and black people was, was established during slavery. Until those wrongs are right, and honestly, what I also want as a part of reparations Every confederate paraphernalia monument or any type of confederate should be torn uh, down. Not only tore down needs to be illegal. It needs to be illegal. You got the confederate flag. You need a fine and a mandatory 90 day imprisonment. You know what I'm saying? Cause at the end of the day, these, these are traitors and we were in Nazi Germany. Would That's this a be fact. allowed?
2: That's a fact.
3: And that's what, that's what we don't discuss. We don't discuss the fact that during reconstruction, during reconstruction, the Confederates ran out of America for fear of being arrested. And you know what happened? Andrew Johnson became president and said, whoa, come on back. We love y'all. Y'all good. And those people became our sheriffs. Our, our, if you don't believe me, Google Bedford Forrest, a Tennessee sheriff who also became one of the leading KKK members. Well, if you want to look up Kendrick Lamar, brings up Rosecrans and on his album. Look up some of them people. Look up, look up. And, and as a filmmaker, I'm sorry, I'm going over my time, but we gonna yep. talk this talk. Yeah, go a, ahead, bro. Film me as a filmmaker. No one talks about the film's impact and damage on some of these on some of these things. We've watched countless films, depictions, and honorifics of Jesse James. Jesse James was a disgruntled. A so, uh, civil war veteran on the Confederate side got his ass handed to him and was mad, so he started robbing people. Mm. Most of those wild wild west people who were robbing banks and trains were former Confederates. What, what, what is it? What, where do they get the tone for that? That came mm. when when the taxes had to be paid to melt, make sure the government got them bonds back that old oh, Wild Wild West wanted to steal. That was black taxes going to that. When you stole that, mm. these are the conversations we have to have. Is that deep?
2: Is that deep? I think. Um. Well, well said from both of you gentlemen. I think that that uh in depth knowledge and that just in-depth of the conversation is the reason why we don't have reparations because it's too in-depth for the people that would actually have to issue. It makes too much sense, basically, is what I'm saying. And Yo, when can I, you, I, see, it,
4: can I say real quick? Yeah, go ahead. You know, like, I, I I was loving everything Q was saying right there. You know, but when you see, um, I know, I don't know if you guys, you know, up here in the Northeast, there was a lot of, a few years back, there was a lot of... A movement to get like christopher columbus statues and you know a lot of confederate statues removed
2: yeah take mean um, a down. lot of the pushback
4: yep. a lot of the pushback was um you know um are we just gonna where do we stop with erasing history um what um like are we gonna take down everything we don't agree with you know my argument will be hell yeah yeah let, let's do that you know at the end of the day like um if you see um uh, a Christopher Columbus statue. Do you agree with the values that that man had? Uh, with the genocide. I mean, it's America, so maybe they do. Um, um, even currently today. Um, you know what I mean. If we're talking about, um, damn, it's just keeping my mind. Uh, oh, General Lee. What was it, from the Confederate side, the general that ended up surrendering, whatever. I can't remember his whole name. Like, are we gonna have yeah. Robert E. Lee? Right? Are we going to have statues of him all over the place? Like doesn't, you he, said doesn't he have treated. that
2: mountain in um Atlanta? Not to cut you off, that's General Lee, right? On that uh Stone Mountain in Georgia.
3: Yeah, Stone Mountain. It's uh it's Robert E. Lee, um, the president of the Confederacy. I'm forgetting his name, and um Stonewall Jackson.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, that, that was no. crazy. It looked beautiful no. from afar until I started <laughs> figuring it out like, what the fuck? <laughs> He's like, yeah. nah, those is confederates. I'm like, oh shit.
3: And <laughs> real quick, fun fact, again to my point in film. There's a film named Birth of a Nation, which is considered a pioneering film. I met the dude who, uh, I met the grandson of the cinematographer for it. He still has the camera that it was shot on. He's sitting there showing me, oh, oh, this is history. That was a film about the KKK coming back and attacking black people in a black community off of rape allegations for a white woman. That film inspired the KKK to come back and they burned a cross on top of that stone mountain we
2: referring to with them Confederates etched in at the, at the top of the mountain or just where they're etched in at
3: where they're etched in
2: at the oh. top of that. Oh, they,
3: lit, shit. they lit a, uh, they lit the cross to let everybody know the KKK is back.
2: Oh, wow. That's crazy. And that's, that's no, um, that's no, uh, light walk up there either. That that's at least a, <laughs> that's a few thousand in the air before you even get to, to light anything. Um, that shit is crazy, my man. <laughs> yo, that walk is long as shit. You yo, know, yo, know, people are so hateful, bro. It's it's to me, it it's it's mind-boggling how extreme, like hateful, racist white people can be. Like the the lengths and the feats of strength they'll go through to prove their racism is like crazy which is essentially the whole reason why we don't have reparations because like it makes so much sense that it would just you would have to go through the the lengths of like an easy press of the button that could happen. Right. But because we don't want it to happen, we're going to give you a thousand reasons why we can't happen. And then they're going to talk about it. I know they were talking about it in California, but the numbers that they're, that they're explaining. And if you don't have the knowledge, the numbers are low as shit. But as soon as you hear it, it's like a buzzword. So people, people are going to, Oh, they're talking about reparations, but you as a, as a cons who doesn't someone who might not consume information in that in that capacity you don't know that you we might be getting sold um we might be getting hustled out of reparations at some point in time if the if the right people don't come to have the conversation of what actually is due um for our people so i got i got one more question um for you guys because we kind of touched about some of it. We jumped around, and, and this was a great conversation. Um, I wanna pre- I appreciate both of you for just coming on here and, and spewing this knowledge because this is something that needs to be heard. And for everybody who's in there, um, go ahead and ask Nizzy. Go ahead and ask your question about reparations. And after, we ask, after they answer this question, we'll answer your question. So if anybody in the chat um, has any questions they want, shoot them right now so we can uh, tackle those. And yeah, so the last question I have, um, was, I didn't create this one. This came from Q, but I do, I do understand it and I see it. So his question to you, D was, why is there less pushback for Africans and Caribbeans who criticize black Americans than the other way around? And
3: let, let me get some, some go ahead, context. Go ahead. Because reason why I especially had to ask this, for the people who don't know and don't follow D on Twitter, Anytime a black American say so- something negative about another black person, yeah, he smokes mate, them. CIA, the CIA yeah, he got
2: them. Now, what do you call CIA them? them, the FBA? What they call the the FBAs or, or some shit? For, for, uh, yeah, foundational yeah black Foundation America? foundational black Damn. Americans.
3: <laughs> he be up in there, CIA got them. You know what I'm saying? They infiltrate <laughs> the community. <laughs> but Trey... You you know I so I sent D a DM one time of a young lady, Caribbean young lady that you know Trey that actually uh you I had to, I had to get into it with her in a text message one time that you and X was a part of. Oh I know you talk about. <laughs> you feel me? And she was going sick on Black American culture talk. Oh I I could how could you eat soul food that ain't no food that's dog food y'all don't got no culture this that? I said D. We're the CIA to this. Oh, oh, nah, nah, brother. You know, that's just one person. I tag them. And anytime somebody else going in, I'm black American. No comment. He won't even answer me back. So I said, nah, in this platform, we got to address this.
2: And that, and that is true. Cause I've seen it before. And I think, I actually think the, um, the, the thread of tweets was based on something of that, which I tried to go and them shits weren't there. I couldn't pull them up, but, uh that's nah, where the stems them. from deleted them. you deleted them yeah i know you did i was looking for them shits i couldn't find them um but yeah go go ahead and and, and give an answer to his question man what do you think about it yeah man we deleted
5: them
4: i honestly i'm surprised you found the ones that you uh that you put on the on nigga the i was Amazon, i was you know? searching
2: nigga because i was like <laughs> i gotta find the evidence i know i know i'm not crazy i said post deleted post deleted post deleted i was like ah, these niggas is good
4: go ahead yo <laughs> yeah. Yeah, nah, nah. But the answer to answer your question, um, you know, like I said before, you know, when it comes to uh, one, I say I call the FBI, those people, um, I'm CIA, because, you know, if you're a black person, and you got the American flag anywhere on on your body, on your house, on your social media pages, man, I'm not rocking with you. I don't trust you. I think you a CIA plant. And honestly, I'm going to stand by that to the day I go off and I leave this earth at the end of the day. Um uh essentially though <clears throat> what it comes down to this is the case of you know for those who know better do better you know so um and the only people that I can hold accountable are the people that I'm around which are you know black americans at the end that I don't know what's going on on a daily basis over there in in jamaica or canada or nigeria angola or whatever other country that you're from as as a black person So essentially what I like to believe is if people are saying things, there's misconceptions between all ethnic groups of black people, like why is that the problem? And like we said earlier before, you know, I'm never going to blame a black person at first, at the end of
5: the day. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply.
4: So then I start asking questions. You know, why do I have this view as a Black American? Why do I have this view of Africans being poor, um, having, you know, being um, needing rice bowls, you know, why do I have to donate, donate to UNICEF to help them and stuff like that? You know, why can't I not trust a Jamaican? You know, why can't I, why do I have this certain view of Haitian so-and-so? And I start and bringing that in, like, you know, where am I getting this information from? And it comes down to the same reason why, you know, there are a group of black people that I know that are scared to go to Chicago. You know, that they're scared to go to Baltimore, that they're scared to go to certain areas because we've been um um I say we've been uh how I say this, what's brainwashed? Brainwashed, there it is. Thank you. We've been brainwashed to be scared of our own people or to think this way of our own people. But in reality, in reality, what it is, we're just all misinformed and we're all um in the byproduct of colonialism and slavery, and we're trying to overcome that. So I as somebody who understands the material conditions that our people have been in or, you know, that I'm working to understand the material conditions that our people have been in, not just right now, but throughout history. And I could say the ramifications of all that. I will feel like a hypocrite and I will be in, in genuine if someone's like, you know, all black Americans are lazy and they only been in America for a year. You know, at the end of the day, like essentially you don't even have enough experience or or knowledge of exactly what we are. Only thing you know is that New York City is the land of opportunity, and we're just telling you, like, yo, there's still more poor black people in New York City than almost any other where in the, in, the, in the country. You know what I'm saying? So, um, that's where I come from, and why I don't engage in what I call the aspiral wars. And the only reason I be I'm harder on
2: Black Americans is because I'm around them more often, and that's where I'm at. So, do you do you think that um to to advance that question a little bit? Do you think um. Me personally, I would think if somebody came here, you know, when when immigrants come to America for me um, and they talk about black people like it's not just uh, descendants of Afri- African cultures. It's like, you know, there's various amounts of different immigrants that come here and they well, you know. You know, an Asian man could get a store quick, and he might have a, a certain stereotype about a black men, and you know, Mexican, and you know, you got people from, you got uh, what are they called? Um, asylum seekers. They might come here, and all this other stuff. And and the one common denominator I realize, or not even denominator, but factor, is that when when anything is portrayed about black Americans, they do have a very like strong. Influenced uh, Idea of us You might see an an Asian person And this is no shade But you might see an Asian person And they might be scared of you Just based off of the shit that they've been fed So I feel like The audacity of another um, Immigrant to come To this country Which is the greatest country Because of us To criticize us but never have to really face any, like you know, there was an Asian hate bill that was we talked about it that was passed immediately. Yeah. But there's been black hate spewed during, uh you know, dude shot up a fucking uh, a grocery store and you know what I'm saying, like. But but yeah. but that is never criticized or, you know. So do you feel that that should be taken that way as as us, like we we would have the the um the right to say like. Essentially, who the fuck are you to come here and criticize us when we created this for you to come here?
4: No, absolutely. No, absolutely. We definitely should feel defensive and we should defend ourselves. I think there's a few things that um, that, you know, we should talk about in, you know, what you were just saying. The first thing is um, a lot of these countries, especially other black countries, when we have immigrants come in here, our current state, even though we are, were poor here in American standards, that's middle class or higher in a lot of other countries. Um, and especially a lot of other black countries. Um, if you look at the most impoverished countries on the, on, in the world, most of them are African countries, right, right from the start. Um, so when they come over here, only thing they're saying is, only thing they're seeing is, yo, this, it's a lot better over here than it is over there. So um, why is not that you guys are advancing? I'm not saying they're correct. I'm just saying this is like their first assessment when they come over here, essentially and. What, and I know I said this earlier in in you know in the podcast, yep. you know yep. part of you coming over here is you know, you better like recognize the contributions that we made over here because you didn't just come over here and reap these benefits just because you know white people let you at the end of, right. and they don't like you either, right at the end of the day. The reason why it's so easier for you to come over here is because there's been generations of black Americans, and to some extent, there were a lot of there were some um you know, black um you know foreign born black people that came in here like you know the the marcus Garveys and you know the stokely carmichaels that came over here and contributed in the common accruements and contributed to the struggle over here um but at the same mostly it's been black americans that you were able to read the benefits and all that stuff now again um i'm gonna repeat what i said before i believe that the onus falls on us as people who are leaders of our communities at the end of the day, because when George Floyd and everything's getting shot, those are black Americans for the most part that are leading those charges. When they're running for office, you know, those are black Americans are reading those charges. So we're going to be leaders in our community, regardless if you're a black American, or if you come from Jamaica, from Jamaica, or you come from any African country, you know, at the end of the day, you're low key going to fall in line with us anyway. So we should honestly be working together. So as, and, you know as far as that as, as far as other racial groups like you said asian for example you know i i would argue that asians um they get so much done for them because you know as a race they're almost comparable to white people in terms of education and wealth and access to resources now i don't know where they come from maybe it's the political power that china has on a global stage that the united states has to you know give them support but um, when we talk about pan-Africanism further, that's also an aspect of it. You know, giving Africa political power and economic power and stuff like that so they have the resources to then support African people who live in different countries. Then you know, that's a stretch. That's the pure manifestation of pan-Africanism and stuff like that. But So we don't got to get too much into that because we can't even get to the first... Right. You know, the first few steps of it, but you know, those are just things to keep in mind. Same thing with uh people in the Middle East. You know, we see a lot of our Middle Eastern people they're on our gas stations, you know, they're at our 7-Elevens, you know, like they have our corner stores and stuff like that. You see a lot of their Asian community, they're at our hair stores, you know, there there's always a Chinese restaurant somewhere in the somewhere, you know what I mean. just one at Hartford, his name is right. Tom's. You get, you know what I'm talking about, you get four dollar wings and fries for four dollars with a two dollar sweet tea right people love that i love that i used to go work at harford for for that you know so i mean these are things to just keep in mind when we're talking about immigrants come in here but yes black americans should defend themselves they should defend their contributions and they should be appreciated more than they are appreciated and that comes against all angles white people asian people and other um immigrant forms um ethnic groups
2: of black people that come to the nation but at the same time yeah, yeah. You know? Let me let me let Q chime in. Yep. Go ahead, Q. What you got? Honestly, um,
3: that was a very eloquent dodge by my boy D. Ah! You know what I'm <laughs> he, he was dodging that thing at the end of the day, for me, because I could, I get it. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, on one side, I'm Cape Verdean, so I could understand everybody hates America. That's cool. I don't like America. You know what I mean. So I feel like a lot of the hate Black Americans get is directed more towards the America than it is the Black American. You know what I mean. But um, at the end of the day, it's all bad if you ask me. Any part of the diasporic wars is bad because again, we're the same people. And I feel like it's it's all bad, especially. I ain't gonna lie. Probably where it disappoints me the most is um. A lot of the like West Indian and Black American parts of the diaspora wars because you don't you don't know whether we was on the same ship you know what I'm saying you don't know the with the way slavery and the Middle Passage worked and that's one thing uh, when I talk to a lot of Cape Verdians that are Pan African Pan Africanists one thing they always say is like you know we're Pan Africanists because a lot of people don't know Cape Verde was one was the the stop. Where niggas would, you go into Africa, you get your slaves, you come stop at the Cape Verdean Islands, run up on your supplies. Sometimes you leave some slaves, sometimes you pick some up. You know what I'm saying? So, and then you head off to the Americas. So it's like we really don't know where each other is from. You know what I'm saying? We don't know what tribes we're, we're from. You know what I mean? So it's like to me, it's disappointing in any side of diaspora wars. We should all show each other love. A black American say something negative about a West Indian or an African is bad and vice versa. You know what I'm saying? But um, at the end of the day, the, the reason why, like, especially where my bone was with D is I don't have no issue with foundational black Americans. I don't have no issue with African descendants of slaves because at the end of the day, that's a people who they don't, they don't have the privilege to know how far their ancestry goes back. So they stop at the last census and yeah they know they from africa but at the end of the day at the end of the day you can know you from a, like trey was saying you can know you from a place and you don't have that tangible attachment to it you don't have that attachments to its culture the reason why i have an, an attachment to my cape verdean culture is because there are aspects of that culture i was raised in you know what i'm saying if if you don't what so to have pride and i think and to be honest with you it's like in the beginning you said you know we shouldn't just track. We, we shouldn't be proud to track our, our ancestry, just the slavery. But I don't think that's what they're doing. I think what they're doing is that's as far as I could go back. And that's what I know. If you do some more digging, you can find out, of course, most black Americans descend from what is now Angola. You know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day. If they don't tangibly and for a fact know that, they should have pride in the culture, the ancestors they do know. Created. You know what I'm saying? Because I know people who they met their great-grandmother. Their great-grandmother was a slave. You know what I'm saying? So they know the culture she helped create in America
2: and they feel tied to that culture. That's not a bad thing. I'm going to hold you for a second. Go ahead, D. You raise your hand. Go ahead. Shoot. Yeah, 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 yeah. So,
4: um, essentially... One, I didn't know that we could submit questions to here, man. Because I would have submitted a question from I, my news. I asked. I was. Board, I was asked. Yes.
2: <laughs> Yo, y'all
4: did some. Y'all did some backdoor dealing behind <laughs> no, I there, asked, So
2: I asked you. I asked if anybody had questions. I did uh, I ask. I thought it. that was just
4: questions in general about like the format of the podcast. No, or just like que- just
2: questions, man. I'm sorry, I I didn't do that on purpose. I, I did oh, ask. Oh man, oh man.
4: But all right, but now nah, just to hop in there because you know my good brother was you know I mean I, he thought he said I was dodging. I ain't dodging anything. So you know he brought up you know the F B of Black Americans and uh what ADOs what are they American descendants of slavery and stuff like that. Yeah, um, I think those people are cornballs essentially because. Um, um, my question to them is like, what can you achieve by yourselves? Essentially, like, these are people who are essentially their main thing is asking for reparations. Um, at the end of the day, which is fine, I'm in favor of reparations, but I would argue that. Um, they would need multiple ethnic groups of black people to actually get those reparations. They're spending their time differentiating themselves from um different from you know other ethnic groups of black people. But at the end of the day, you're really spending your time and energy trying to um get reparations from your oppressor um <laughs> at the end of the day by yourselves And even in time with that, we're talking about Yvette. Uh, we're talking about Tone. We're talking about Tariq Nasheed. Even they can't even agree on that. Um, you know, um, Tariq started FBA after he got a disagreement with Yvette and Tone at the end of the day. So, I mean, they're not even unified in their own. So I think they're really just wasting time. And they have the American flag all over their topic. So I already told you right off in the rip. If you got the American flag anywhere next to your name on your social media, you're a CIA player. And I'm not working with you. I do nope. not believe anything. that nope. you were Go sunny. ahead, Q.
2: Go ahead, Q.
3: But this is, this is the issue I have. You have an issue with their delineation, but you don't have an issue with anyone else's. You don't have an issue with when, when, when Caribbean people, because uh, mind you, please keep in mind, America, Cabo Verde, the West Indies are no different. None of us were there until we were brought there. You know what I'm saying? Those lands were were largely, uh, you know, because I ain't got front, some of them, some of the FBA people be wild with the black people came there in 1200 or something. I don't know all that in America. I know for sure when we did come, you know what I'm saying? So that's where I have an issue is you'll go, man, I don't like them calling themselves foundational black Americans, but you have no issue with a, a Caribbean person not being pan africanist You're cool with them having their flag in their bio but it's an issue, because, mind you, this is what we also have to remember. You you calling Black people who have an American flag in their bio, CIA, for a country, they helped create it. But you don't have an issue with Africans and Caribbeans putting flags in their bio when their countries were of similar creation. Colonialism created them just the same as they created us. You know what I'm saying? So to sit here and say oh nah nah you know the, the, they got the american flag they they wilding we we, we 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 just watch how many how many of these african nations where we've watched good brothers overthrown, well, not good brothers good brothers be overthrown by cats supported by the very cia you go, don't rock
2: with go ahead go and ahead go ahead d. Same
3: flags in the bio
2: go ahead d go ahead you got a rebuttal go ahead You still are
3: you got mute. on mute. You're on mute. My bad. I think you're
4: being very ingenuine right now when it comes to representing what I'm saying here. At the end of the day, um, and I think all of us would agree that the biggest colonizer and oppressor in the world today is the United States of America, right? So, no, there's a reason why you shouldn't have the American flag in your in your in your bio as a black person. Um I, for one, believe that if you are fighting against oppression as an oppressed group, you should also have the sense of morality that you should not support or lift up any other oppressor that's oppressing any other black ethnic group or any other group of people at the end of the day we should not be waving the American flag knowing how you said earlier that the Biden administration was whipping Haitians at the border at the same time they're supporting AFRICOM which is African Command which is colonizing nations in Africa while they're completely doing a genocide and supporting a genocide in Palestine when they supported apartheid South Africa we should not be supporting the United States on anything especially when they are oppressing and colonizing other groups of black people to this very day
2: at the end of the day D, I just have
4: a question for you so
2: as as a hold on one second q as as a black um as a black american not speaking for myself but in general um and i don't do that but what would you if you're not connected to your your uh lineage what would you connect to then essentially i mean the only the lineage that you should connect to essentially
4: is the lineage that you're being described is one that you're from so we all know that black people derive from africa number one and the second thing is where you're being drafted to so if somebody comes over here from kenya or nigeria they're not looking the white supremacist power structure isn't looking like okay that's a kenyan american that's a nigerian american oh this is an american that was born in fucking uh, charlotte north carolina they're just saying like you are all black people of african descent that's exactly what you are so that's essentially what we should identify with at the end of the day now i will say this I am not opposed to other forms of, of, of forms of dealing, of, you know, differentiation. And you now I've said that multiple times in terms of like uh, reparations in this entire pod and this entire podcast. But
5: what I am saying is I have no problem. You've worked hard for what you have your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock ultimate plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement.
4: at the end of the day if you're from St. Kitts and you want to put a St. Kitts flag at the end of the day because St. Kitts the country itself wasn't a colonizer it was Britain and I have no problem if you are Jamaican raving a Jamaican flag because Jamaica wasn't the colonizer it was Britain who colonized you and at the end of the day if we're going to Ghana it wasn't Ghana it was Britain who colonized Ghana so wave that Ghana flag when y'all won your independence and you're still colonized to this very day so no I don't think it's the same as somebody having an American flag in their bio because America is currently oppressing people in Jamaica and Trinidad in tobago and we're talking um ghana if we're talking um nigeria these are african countries essentially that won their independence to an extent from colonizers so it's different from that. Not saying that they're perfect because they're still colonized to some extent. France to this very they is still colonizing 14 nations in Africa, for example. The United States is still colonizing indigenous populations all over this globe, for example. But at the end of the day, that's their pride in their country. So it's not the same as having the American flag in your in your profile. And that's why I'm saying Q is being, he has a way with words, man. And I'm not letting him get away with it, man. Q, I never let him get
2: away with that. Q, I'm not going to let Q do you have, a, have have a rebuttal to that?
3: Nah, because yeah, I do. Cause I think that's disingenuous. You feel me? Because that—that's also a fundamental misunderstanding for how Black Americans represent themselves in this country. When we posted an American flag, we ain't posting to say, "Oh yeah, you being oppressed." We're posting it for our ancestors who fought in these wars to to from the American Revolution to liberate America from Britain, uh, an oppressor. We for for world war two for world war one for all of our ancestors that went out there and fought for for that flag now let's be clear did they know what america was gonna not nah, follow what i'm saying just think about it one when you're talking about black when you're talking about black americans that fought for the flag these were people who fought for right privileges that weren't given to them that were given to their white counterparts but weren't given to them so what we're when we posting that american flag you and, and that's the reason why in america we do african americans we do black americans we we delineate and separate ourselves from other americans not only because our experience is different our perception is different our intention is different you feel me so when we fought for that flag we were fighting for something different So when we wave for that flag, we're not waving it bragging oppression or, you know what I'm saying, showing love to colonizers. We're waving that flag for niggas like Benjamin Banneker who designed Washington, D.C. We're waving that flag for all our black people who created the inventions, like the street light. You know what I'm saying? Like steam engines. You feel me? We created this. We created the materials in this country and a lot of the resources and inventions in this country, so that flag is is, is, a, is as much ours as it is anybody in this country. To say that we're to say that now, all of a sudden, by showing it, we're a part of their oppression when Black people ain't participating in that oppression. But Black people aren't Black Americans aren't participating in the oppression of foreign Black people. No, no, we not. No, we not. You know what I'm saying? So at, by and large. Now, now keep in mind. Of course, there might be a small demographic that joined the military. And then, you know what I'm saying? Obviously, they exploited. We, we know how it goes. But again, and that's why we got to keep it in mind. Some of them cats, you talking, you you giving me that look, like, yeah, they participate. In, who are they collaborating with? when they go over there and oppress foreign countries, they going over there by themselves and just walking in the country and oppressing? No, they're collaborating with the, the foreign-born people there who have bad intentions to work with the CIA. So that, that, that's disingenuous. And, and let's be real. Let's be real since we wanna make a historical connection. Because I keep telling people, these centuries aren't that far apart. We can notice patterns and trends that hold true. Now, I believe it's, uh, is it, is it Mali? Um, there's a, there's an African country going through a coup right now and they had a black military leader go over there, do the propaganda with the, with the African military leader, you know, do they walk and, and do their whole AFCOM installation and setup. Now that we would be remiss to mention that brother who went over there, that black American brother who was last representing point, Q, America in that propaganda, what was, was working alongside a Native African. Now, to bring the history together, us coming here, we ain't come here by ourselves. Go ahead, D. We had Native Africans who collaborated with the whites to get us here. It's, it's it's the same thing happening in present day so to sit here and say black americans waving the flag is out here uh celebrating or being a part of of any form of oppression is omitting the native africans who are participating in that oppression and you ain't mad at them waving that go, flag. Ahead, go ahead d go ahead what we got all right, man. I need just as much time to exp- respond
4: to everything he I'm said. Not, that I'm he, not yeah. even
2: timing y'all. I'm This is what
4: this is what I need. First, <laughs> I need him to concede that the flag if you got like a Jamaican flag or 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 a St. Kitts flag in your Bible is not the same as having an American flag in there.
3: That's a yes. That's uh, a yes. I, I, yes I, I don't see it. I, see, I I I see it as the same thing. You know, oh pride my in God. A country and a country you built
4: oh my goodness all right well we're not gonna see eye to eye on that one but now there's a few things i want to that i want to talk about here so for he mentioned the sacrifices of black people and that's cool i appreciate that too. i I acknowledge my ancestors and everything you know my grandfather the vietnam vet you know he did what he had to do or whatever whether he wanted to do it or not at the end of the day but at the same time i would ask my fellow black americans is it would it be better to hold off on that American flag next to your name until you achieve all the things that you wanted to achieve at the end of the day we had black people who fought in war since the revolutionary war and the, fall in the sense world war ii world war one vietnam the civil war at the end of the day and they came back from those wars and they still weren't appreciated you had a country that put you through poll taxes a country that put you through redlining a culture that put you through black co- black codes through jim crow laws and everything and yes we survived we didn't exceed we survived those things, and we're still surviving and feeling those ramifications for today, I, for one, will not feel comfortable waving that American flag anywhere on my lawn. I will not wear it on my shirt. I will not. I barely want to chip word roof for them in the Olympics if it weren't for black people there. But, I mean, that's essentially what it is at the end of the day. My next thing, hold on. Hold on. Not to my knowledge, um, no.
3: Um, yeah, so somewhat.
4: Oh, yeah, some they were able to escape slavery in Canada, yeah.
3: So uh yeah recently 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 there have been there have been not until recently the first the first country that would have allowed us to seek asylum to my knowledge was cuba um during when castro's regime began mm-hmm. Then now we have about seven present-day African countries who would allow Black Americans to become citizens there. You me?
4: Yep. So um, that was just my encapsulation of you know the Black sacrifices and challenge, and why we would even want that next to our name when we don't, we're not even the nation that we want to achieve as of yet. My next thing is my next thing is is a challenge of symbolism. Earlier in this podcast, we talked about how we should, every Confederate statue or monument should be taken down from this country and everything. We talked about that. What does the, we just spent um years, we're talking about when Colin Kaepernick was taking a knee when people weren't standing for the national anthem. We were literally saying the reason we weren't doing that at that moment in time was because the national anthem, if you listen to the second verse of it, encourages slavery, that the American flag was a symbolism of slavery and oppression. So we are not standing up for what that is. So if that's the case of what we were just saying, literally just five, six years ago, and some people are still saying that, why do we feel so comfortable with having that next to our name? I said another, my next thing is, is the consistency of our morality. When I was saying that black Americans, when we're not actively oppressing. um, We're not actively oppressing, of course, you know, African countries or the Haitian immigrants or the people in Palestine. My thing is, there's a quote, I believe it was, um, I believe it was MLK that said the quote. But um, he was saying essentially that if you don't if you uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but if you don't condemn injustice, you're basically participating with it at the end of the day. yo, we literally have a group of black Americans that will li- that's that's a group of black Americans who will literally say, "Yo, that's their issue over there. They have to handle that first. And yes, I'm talking about the FBA. those people. That's what I'm talking about. Those people as well. And, and a smaller faction, what they have over there in Africa, that's perfectly fine. That's what they would do. At the end of the day, we don't. They're not necessarily thinking on a global scale. And to be fair, I'm not going to say like we have the luxury of doing this, doing this all the time because sometimes we have our, our immediate needs. But yes, if we continue to support and prop up an American government that is known for oppression of not only global people but our own people right here, yes, that's a bad look for us. At the end of the day, and there's no if, uh, if, ands or buts about it. That's just yes, the reality of what is. it is.
2: How? Go ahead. Go ahead. Q. Last, What's last, on? last thoughts. Last thoughts. Got you, and it's gonna be quick. Yep. Because when you talk about, there's no ifs, ands,
3: or buts about it. Again, you're 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 omitting a lot of context. You know what I'm saying? Well, when, when by saying first and foremost, when you talk about the FBA group saying we need to worry about our own issues, please point me to a black nation that when we have our issues unequivocally, unanimously, collectively champion us and talk about what we going through. They don't, they don't. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying, I'm not saying all of them don't just like all black Americans don't. So to to sit here and say, we again, waving the flag is wrong because a small sect, don't speak out injustice on everyone. Again, that's disingenuous because where where is it for us? Because fun fact, when Hurricane Katrina happened, do you know the only country to offer any form of tangible assistance was Cuba? Castro offered 1,500 doctors and any black person, any black American that wanted to be a doctor could come to Cuba and be educated for free. Where 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 is that from the black nations? But but you know what I'm saying. So 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 don't do that. Don't don't. Why are only seven? Why are only seven African nations permitting citizenship to Black Americans? This is these are the conversations we gotta have when you want to talk about. And mind you, and mind you, if we want to talk about it, let's talk about it. The reason why Black Americans still have pride in their flag. And pride and coming and being Black American, it's because whether we want to acknowledge it or not, whether we want to tell the truth about it or not, first of all, our material. Uh, unfortunately, this is probably the best country for our material conditions. Please show me, please show me another country that's better uh, material conditions that Black people have created for themselves. That's number one. Number two, when you talk about When when black Americans go elsewhere, when we travel, and I can say this from experience, and it breaks my heart too. I ain't gonna front. This is the first time I'm I'm even speaking about it publicly because I don't like to put down nothing black. So I don't put down no black nations. I won't even say which black nation it was. I've been to black nations where them niggas make sure you know you're an American, where they make sure your, your experience isn't as hospitable because you're an American. So so to, so when you come back to America and your, and your boy is in Georgia, where there's plenty of Southern ha- hospitality, black, black people out here might have our, you know what I'm saying? You know, some, some of the materialism in uh, Atlanta could be, but in terms of how we interact with each other, there's a lot of camaraderie out here. Why would I not have pride when I come back and I say, dang, my Black people treat me good out here. My black people, when I go, when I when I go to the restaurant, just don't put their hand out for their money. They ask me, how can I help you, sir? You know what I'm saying? So, so the the idea that we shouldn't have pride in what we've created. It is crazy to me. It's it not. You know so, what I'm saying? Like I can't even wrap my brain around it when again you're a move, you're 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 again. You're not even speaking to some of the atrocities that Black nations have put amongst themselves, but they can wave their flag when them Africans went out there and attacked Oprah's school. And I don't like Oprah, she a cool, she a cool CIA target, (laughs) but she built that school for them Black girls in Africa and that school got attacked. Where's the, where's the hate for that? And that's what I mean when I said D is quit to say something about black Americans, but won't say nothing about other black
2: people. Atrocities against one of us is an atrocity against all of us. So I'm yeah, you know so, so I'm gonna cut you, I'm gonna cut you off there, QD. I'm gonna give I'm you good. I'm gonna give you one minute to to rebuttal, and then what we're gonna do after that is we got a couple questions. So we'll just rapid fire, answer the questions, and then we'll close out. All right. So go ahead. I got you on the, the thing too.
4: All right. All right, cool. So this is what I have to say. Can you a question, like, where were these African nations when in support of Black Americans? You know, the, I got, so I just pulled something out real quick, a quick Google search, and I know you knows Google. Um, literally in 2020, the African Union, which is a union of African nations, they literally passed resolutions that were condemning racial discrimination in the United States of America. And they were a part of the civil rights. They were a part of the civil, they, they were literally a part of the civil rights movement. And, um, during that time period what i will say is when that question is so disingenuous and so devoid of context when we don't know that when i'm sure q or i hope i prayed on everything we know and love that you are uh, informed about the the, the colonialism the african nations are going in right now perfect example there are 14 nations in africa right now right now um, and they're kind of, they're fighting back right now. We're talking like Burkina Faso. We're talking about Mali and everything. They are so financially strapped by European nations. 14 of them have to give 80 percent of all the revenue that they generate in the year. They have to keep it in French banks and it goes to France. So they're only operating off of 20 percent of the income and of the wealth that they generate. Got you I 30 mean, honestly, seconds. what do we really expect them to do at that moment in time it's not fair to say to them what can we offer them as black americans besides standing in solidarity that's the importance of parent pan-africanism and building together so we can overcome we literally q literally laid out economic plan talking about equity talking about banks talking about businesses all that stuff why are we not building with our african people right then and there when well, we know that when it just when it's just one group of people we get burnt down, we get destroyed We get laws planted against us and all that stuff So essentially that's my case That I'm making for that And it's not fair to say that African nations have not Contributed and have not stood in solidarity With us in our struggle here in America And historically we have done the same vice versa Like I said earlier <clears throat> um, Marcus Garvey was a Jamaican Marcus, come Garvey also had,
3: Marcus Garvey also had a, Plenty of detrimental comments To black Americans Please read his book
4: Okay, that's perfectly fine, but he still came over here and became one of the most, pro- most prominent civil rights figures in American history. Marcus Garvey was Stokely Carmichael was from Trinidad and Tobago climbing the Krumo was from the Gold Coast, which is now probably present day Ghana, who came over here, educated at Lehigh University in Pennsylvania and organized over here before he went back to Ghana and liberated Ghana from British rule. Like these are literally foreign black people that came over here and helped us here in the United States. And I feel like it's disingenuous. It is not fair to their it's not fair to them to say that they have done nothing for us here just because a few people say they don't like soul food. It doesn't really make sense.
2: (laughs) All right, so we'll, we'll cut it. Oh, there. Wait, wait, real quick, Trey. I just got no, one. Time up, one sentence. No, time is up, man. I just got one sentence.
3: <laughs> time is up. Astro offered tangible help with doctors. My man's is talking about condemning racism, which been going on for hundreds of years. yo. Uh, right, right, right. well, hold before.
2: Get your last, sense, last sentence, sentence. Last sentence. and then and then we're last then we're
4: sentence. good. Yep, yep, yeah, yep. We cannot. We can. It's unfair. To compare a lot of politi- political leaders to like Fidel Castro because Fidel Castro had was one of the most politically influencing uh, uh, leaders that has ever existed. He helped with apartheid South Africa. He was chilling in Harlem with Malcolm X and everything. Like he was just a global icon and global figure. So I mean, that's he's he's just in his own his own thing. But at the same time. Nelson Mandela, for example, who's in South Africa, was condemning discrimination over here in the United States, as well as Martin Luther King and Malcolm X is also condemning um, 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 discrimination in Palestine. You know, Nelson, I mean, Fidel Castro uh, was discriminating in Angola. And so it always happens when you are somebody who is against oppression, you're know. No balance, you're against all types of oppression at the end of the day. That's right, the mentality D. that black Americans need to have. All right, D.
3: Black Americans do, so, except for a small section. That's so, what you're upset about. So listen, so yeah. listen,
2: um we'll we'll end that there because that's 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 the <laughs> that seems to be the um the controversial one, which was great, a great conversation. So we're gonna end with two questions we got um from some people in the chat. And I'll give you guys both uh, just, just three minutes to just touch on it. It's, it's not necessarily a um, – I don't think these are debating topics. I think they're more just to get your input on on what they um, – what you think about it. So the question we got – first question we got was um, – I think we kind of touched on this, but this might help uh, reiterate it because uh, this person, Nizzy17, joined late. They said um, – who would y'all say is entitled to reparations and how would the government implement it? Um, Q, you're going to answer this first. So the question is, who would y'all say is entitled to reparations and how the government would implement it? Um, would FBA, would it be FBA blacks only all blacks or all blacks, including people who are not descendants of slaves?
3: Um, Offer it, honestly, it would not include people who aren't descendants of slaves for American reparations. Personally, I think every black person and person of African descent needs to pursue reparations with the country that owes you reparations. So if you're in Jamaica, Brittany owes you a check. If you're in Haiti, France owes you a check. You know what I'm saying? But when it comes to America, reparations should be for descendants of slavery. It should be for black americans and the reason why i say that is because first of all that's not only who it's affected for generations that's not only who and that's also who is intended to affect if you listen to uh especially a lot of um older black people who were alive during jim crow experienced jim crow they'll tell you there was a delineation between Black Americans and, for example, Africans. There was uh, one person who was speaking on, uh, they would let, if you were in terms of if it was a restaurant Black people couldn't go in, if you were a Black person that spoke another language, they'd let you in. You know what I'm saying? So at the end of the day, I think as a collective, we need to organize to make sure we're all paid by the nations that owe us. And in America, I be, it would be Black Americans that are owed by America. And then honestly, I think for because uh, in, in, in I'm with D, there are plenty of African nations that suffer from Afcom, that are colonialized. There should be some type of collective fund between the Western powers to make sure those brothers and sisters get touched. You know what I'm saying? Because the problem too in um, certain countries in Africa is they've been oppressed by multiple nations. At one point, it might have been Britain one point, it might have been Spain, you know what I'm saying, for so, uh, Cabo Verde, Angola, Mozambique, Portugal owe us a check, you know what I'm saying? So that's where I think as black people, we need to collectivize, unionize, and make sure we're all paid for the injustices we suffer. We just owe a debt, or we, we need to collect from different people. Got it. Uh,
4: D, what do you think? Yeah, I don't have I don't have much to add because um I agree with what Q was saying. But um what I will add is um like I said earlier in the pod is like differentiation in American reparation or whatever American reparation plan comes to fruition, um there needs to be a distinction between, you know, black Americans and who else and who um else should not be receiving reparations because I do believe um, that that will be used as an argument not to do it or to prolong it. And that's why I'll say it again. Um, it has the differentiation has to come from the community rather than the people that we're trying to force reparations from. And that's all I got to add.
2: Um, OK, so the last last question we have Um. From very nine is uh do you know why states so you can go first um D um do you know why states are removing Black History and DEI I'm not sure what that DEI means Diversity Equity and Inclusion Okay got it Okay <clears throat> um you know um there's been
4: uh, a movement to remove these things uh, because um what I believe to be is that it's disenfranchising or white people believe that it's disenfranchising them. Um, I know, uh, I believe affirmative action just got struck down in schools for uh, colleges and universities. Yep. Um, and essentially um, I don't know if, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, the black the, the black conscious is waking up. Um, the way that we think is changing. The way that we operate as a community is changing. And uh, essentially that scares, you know, the white supremacy power, or the white supremacist power structure. Um, so now, I believe that you know um, they've been taking steps to um, protect their status, economic status, and social status. Um, it goes beyond just affirmative action and DEI. I mean, I believe there are some school districts across the country that were banning certain books, like *To Kill a, Mo- uh, to Kill a Mockingbird*, um, which was it, which was just about a white lawyer defending a black man who was, you know, um, wrongfully convicted or accused of a crime you know what i mean so um we have um school districts that are also taking slavery out um out of the curriculum whatsoever i mean just recently in waterbury we've been fighting for um well i'm not gonna say we because i was it was before my time but there were organizers that were fighting in there just to get um an african-american history studies in schools and we got it but it's an elective it's not something that's like a core requirement, you know what I mean? So it's something that you would still have to choose and we try to get it in there and we would want it as a core elective because you know that's essentially what it is. So I really think that um these efforts to stop DEI, affirmative action, you know, um um the limitation of black history, um it's really out of fear for the advancements that we're making as a community, but it's kind of funny that um, and like we was talking about before when we were talking about like erasing history and stuff it's funny how they try to erase those blemishes on um, American history but when it comes to confederacy, when it comes to Japanese internment camps and things like that those are things that we should keep in history so we can learn from them so we can do better um, so you know those are arguments right. that are made on that side
3: Q? Um. Personally, her uh, I, I agree with um I agree with everything D. said. um to be honest with you DEI um that's not something I'm an advocate for I believe that's something um, white women mainly benefit uh benefit from and a statistic I have from Forbes as of 2023 from McKinsey who's actually um a really good uh statistical uh service for businesses white women hold nearly 19 percent. Of all C-suite positions, think the DEI. You know what I'm saying? Affirmative action most benefited white women. So, I think people, white people, are getting rid of the those two programs specifically for their own misguided um, attempts at disenfranchisement. Who they're really hurting is their white women, which I by me. You know what I'm saying? But um, when it comes to when it comes to uh, African American studies classes and you know teaching slavery as history it's just more white denial of culpability. You know what I'm saying? If we don't teach you it, you won't know the wrongs we did. That, that's, that's all they're attempting to do. Um, they do so many wrongs that it's an attempt in vain because tomorrow we'll find another wrong. You know what I'm saying? Um, and that, that's really all there is to it. They're really just trying to get rid of those educational studies so that no one could know the extent of what they've done. And that's something, um, that was, I ain't gonna lie. Part of my, cause I've always been, like I said, I was, I was, I was raised pan african You know what I'm saying? I was always raised, you black, you have to work two times as hard as anybody else. You know what I'm saying? Like it's the cards we dealt. But what really radicalized me in terms of my political thinking was when I went to UConn, I took an African-American studies class that was taught by a great black woman named Dr. Shayla Nunley. And the one thing um, she really enforced in us is all of the legislation that when you study African-American studies that was put in place to directly disenfranchise and oppress us from highways being built in Black communities to destroy the uh, strong Black communities, from, from um, redlining, you know what I'm saying? So I think white people, they don't want those things taught, not only because they don't want the culpability, but also they probably want to use some of them tricks again. You know what I'm saying? They probably want to redline some things. It's been proven, black people, um, when it comes to environmental racism, discrimination, segregation, you know, that oppresses, that, Those power structures hinder us the most. You know what I'm saying? So, the way I see it is maybe they got something else planned where they don't want us to be privy to it so we could see it and stop it. You know what I mean? So, that's why we just all have to remain vigilant and educating ourselves uh, in terms of knowing exactly how we're hindered, how we're oppressed, where we could fix it, where it may be coming. That's why, again, I say history is trends. You know what I'm saying? If they don't want us to know, perfect example. let's say the way highways were built to affect black people maybe they don't want us to know if they start doing this high speed rail or start extending rail we're gonna we're gonna have the negative effects of being put in the worst environments you know what i'm saying our communities because remember again during white flight when they ran to the suburbs and we came to cities now during this generation they want them cities back you know what I mean? So maybe they want to remove that education so we can't see how they're now targeting our spaces. Once again, we'll mess around, go to the suburbs and in 30, 50 years, they gonna want that back. You know what I mean? So that's why we just all got to remain vigilant and again, fight for our equity. You know what I'm saying? Because if we have our equity, at the very least, we have a fight. You know what I mean? And a perfect example is uh the sister we see in South Carolina fighting for her land over in Hilton Head, you know what I'm saying? And the Gullah Geechees fighting for their land. So that's why we just gotta, like I said, remain vigilant, educate ourselves, and fight for our equity. You know what
2: I'm saying? Um, that was, I think, that was well said from from both both of you guys. I I do believe, uh, me personally, I I think the more you can learn, the better uh, you could benefit. And if you if you know better, you could do better. So. Um, these conversations don't only help a mass of people who need to hear this, but they help people like myself who um, I know, but I might not know everything. And it's, it's good to kind of hear uh, different perspectives that allow you to um, form form an uh, um, an opinion that is for better. You know what I'm saying? I think a lot of times our people uh, were so stuck on certain ways. Of thinking that anything outside of it is kind of condemned and um it's not necessarily welcomed and i think the the greatest thing about our people is that we through what we've been through through resilience we've always had the ability to um be open-minded creative thinkers so i think something of the, the problems that we deal with to this day i think you know, as long as we have people like you guys, we'll be able to essentially improve our future, and, um, you know, you have kids, so you, you allow them to understand the importance of this information, and not just follow, you know, follow what has been told to you, what is a mistake, you know, shut up, and shut up, and dribble, in a sense, like, don't use your, your information as, as power, and I think that, um, these conversations are necessary so I want to thank you guys for doing this this was great I was looking forward to to um having an episode 10 that was gonna be worth something and this was worth way more than what I could have talked about um I definitely enjoyed this conversation and Anytime you guys want to come out here, you know what I'm saying? If you got something you want to talk about, whatever the case is, or you feel like we can, you want to do this again and you haven't fully hashed everything out, like, I'm always open to doing it. Um, thank you to everybody in the chat who was active, and thank you for the people who followed. Um, yeah, man, I'll see you guys next week. I'll see everybody next Tuesday. Tune in. We're going to get back to our regular schedule program, but um, this was a special moment with DC and uh, Q. Uh thank you guys. I appreciate it. Appreciate
3: you, brother. No doubt. Thanks for
2: having us, man. No doubt, no doubt.